0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. We got a lot of football for you today. The Rose Bowl is getting closer. Nick Ford, Ute captain, joins us every week. He joined us in the middle of the show on Monday. For you early risers, here's PK and I and our conversation with Ute Center and the leader of the offensive line. And Really captain of the team, a guy I think a lot of guys look up to. Here's Nick Ford with PK and I. Nick, good morning. Good morning. Disneyland, huh? The dream starts here.
1: <laughs> yeah, Disneyland, man.
2: <laughs> Something you've probably done a time or two being an L.A. kid uh we saw that uh, last week you decided to uh, try your hand in the nfl now obviously you've accomplished just about everything you needed to accomplish at the collegiate level uh, academically in the classroom and out on the football field but nevertheless how hard of a decision was it for you
1: uh i mean it, it was very hard but i mean like i said i accomplished a lot here almost everything here and you know i got a you know a lot of responsibilities in life and um you know it's just about that time to make that transition in my life.
0: So it is a big decision to make. It's easy for someone who isn't making it for their own life to say, "Oh yeah, this guy should go or that guy shouldn't go." And you may have played that game a time or two yourself uh, the last few years watching guys you played against in college football, but it's different when it's yourself and I'm I'm curious, who did you go to uh, to get advice? Uh, how many NFL people did you hear from or people in your own life or in the Utah program how How does that work? Who do you listen to?
1: Oh, man, I think it's more uh, you got to have an internal uh, feeling about it because you hear all types of things from every type of person and every direction, and uh, it's really, really hard because you don't know what to listen to, what not to listen to because, um, you know, everyone has their best interests. Well, not everyone, but most people um, that you hear from. So, um, you know, just hearing different things is um, really heart-wrenching sometimes. And uh, it's more of an internal decision than, you know, just going through gut feeling. We know the Rose Bowl has
2: a lot of activities designed to allow the players and everybody in the program to have fun, Disneyland being one of them, uh, Lowry's uh, with the prime rib. It's been a tradition forever, all this stuff. How do you balance having fun but at the same time being prepared to play the ball game?
1: Oh, you just simply got to know, like, when to work and when not to. And, I mean, that's, uh, you know, a big part of this program and why we win bowl games is because we know when to, uh, you know, go have fun and we know when, you know, to lock in. Uh, we're going to go out here to practice in a little bit and it's time to practice and that's the only thing we're worried about. And, you know, Disneyland's for later, that's all, and then we'll worry about that then. But, yeah, it's just separating the two and making sure that, uh, you know, you just do it responsibly.
0: So what kind of precautions do they have you taking? I and mean, we're all hearing the news about the Military Bowl and the Sun Bowl and uh, I'm forgetting all the bowls, the Hawaii Bowl. Uh, and nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but I think most sane people do not want that to happen to you guys in the Rose Bowl. So what do they have you doing?
1: Um, they just really have us sticking to ourselves. I mean, they have everything kind of in our own own space. Um, you know, when you go out to, like, Disneyland and stuff, uh, it's You know, there might be some people there and whatnot. And uh, I think um, the combination of how strict the guidelines are in L.A. and then, um, you know, how they're treating us and trying to keep us away, I think we'll be okay. I don't know how much time you've
2: had to study Ohio State, but if you had, what do you see from them?
1: Um. They're good defense, um, you know, fundamentally sound. They got some good athletes, and uh, you know, they're 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 well respected, and we well respect them. Um, but that doesn't mean uh, we can't do what you know we've been doing all year. Um, that being said, you know, like, like I just said, they're they're a great defense. So it's going to be a sixty minute game. It's going to be a dog fight. Um, you know, they will take advantage of you if you uh, don't work your fundamentals and I feel like we'll take advantage of them if they don't work their fundamentals so it's just going to be a you know a um, tech, I think it's going to come down to not only a physical game but a technical game and making sure your techniques on point
0: did you watch Oregon run for 269 yards on these guys and then Michigan beat that total and how much do you take from that and how much can your run game do what those two schools did because those are the only two teams to beat these guys
3: yeah. No,
1: like, like I said, um, they're a great defense and, you know, looking at our offense is very similar and, uh, you know, that's a style of offense. Uh, it may start off bloody in a couple of yards, but then we start breaking some big runs and, you know, I'm sure they know that and I'm sure they're going to have a plan for it. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to have to make adjustments, but, uh, we're not going to stray away from our style of play. Um, we're not, Running the ball because, uh, you know, we feel like Oregon and uh, Michigan were, you know, amazing at it. And that's what we have to switch our game plan to. But that's just our game plan and how we play. So, um, you know, it gives us, uh, you know, something to look at and uh, something to uh, study, to prepare. But otherwise than that, you know, we're just going to play our game, which is running the ball.
2: You've played in this stadium before obviously but here it's the actual rose bowl itself as an la kid growing up obviously that must have been a dream and the dream is going to be realized do you think that whether it's during pregame or when you come running out for the official start of the game will you have any time will you be able to soak
1: it all in uh personally i was just soak it in all after after the fact uh i try not to uh, get too crazy about things uh You know, prior to the game or during the game, because it kind of like, uh, I will offset some people. So, uh, you know, after the fact, I'll go ahead and look around, you know, be like, oh man, like it's actually the Rose Bowl. But I mean, until then, if, uh, you know, it's a business trip, we came down here to do something, we've got to do it. So,
0: how many tickets have you been able to get your hands on and how many people have you had to have hard conversations with? Sorry, not happening.
1: Uh, I got my hands on about like 12 and I've had to have probably the same amount of hard conversations but they went and bought some tickets so what do you normally get um uh, so normally we get about four but um you know, up in Salt Lake, or depending on where we are, like for the last, uh, for the last two LA games, they got about like twenty to twenty-five. But it was a lot harder this time because not only do uh, you know we have a bunch of boys that live in LA and in LA area, um, a bunch of people from Arizona and Salt Lake and Texas, they all want to come to the game, and they all came out here. So, <laughs> uh,
0: well, that's the price. That's the price of fame and fortune, right there, Nick. What are you going to exactly. do? Exactly, <laughs> you're in the Rose Bowl. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. So, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious as you watch this uh, play out. Uh, is there been in? And you're pretty early in the week though. Still, is, is there been anything that's a surprise or different in the build up to the Rose Bowl? Other than all your memories and the hype that goes with the game, or is it really like other bowls and prepping for other games?
1: Um. I think the experience is going to be fun. You know, I got to the hotels downtown. Um, I'm kind of used to downtown because I've been up over here for a while now. I grew up over here. Um, well, not downtown, but in San Pedro. Um, so I think that uh, kind of fades that out for uh, for me a little bit. But you could tell some of the boys who have never been to L.A. Um, or have been to L.A. just for football. It's kind of, you know, they're in, they're in I want to say awe, but they're enjoying it. Um, you know, heading over to Disneyland again, some people have never been, um, you know, it's exciting though. Go over there, get me a turkey leg. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just like me mean, looking at the itinerary and all the stuff we're going to do. It, uh, it looks like we're going to have a lot of fun and they're balancing out, you know, when we have to practice, um, when we're going to have fun and when our recovery time is.
2: This whole week, and particularly the game, gives the University of Utah foot program basically unprecedented exposure. And I think it's important for the university to cash in on this exposure and this wave of attention that the program is getting. From your perspective, you've been in the program for a number of years, and as you are basically aging out of the program and going on to the NFL, do you think that there's anything that the program needs that maybe it can get through donors or whatever, uh, through all this attention and excitement and everything that's going around in the program. So what I'm, I'm basically I'm asking is there anything that you think that they can cash in on to benefit the program
1: that needs to be cashed in on? Um, you know I'm not I'm not too sure about that. Um, you know I'm not big on uh, you know looking for. Uh, monetary gain especially from when i was in uh college and all that good stuff but uh you know maybe some people are interested in uh nil to help some of the boys out because i know some of the boys uh struggle off the field um and then maybe you know it's just donating and uh, getting involved that way you know there's there's some ways to get involved um You know I think the the main thing is support especially uh the year we have faced was that that was the main thing that got us through um and that's you know support no matter what I mean I know I know we started one and two but I mean it's about it's about the journey and not like how you get there sometimes you know what I mean um it may not have been an ideal year at the start of the year but uh you know um just uh, you know stick through it and support and uh But at the end of the day, you know, this program has really good characters and uh, really good sports quality. And, uh, yeah, I think by the end of the day, uh, if you can continue to support, whether that's, you know, by helping support financially or, you know, just supporting, just being a good person, um, a lot of the kids here are going to thrive and become really great people on and off the field. And uh, I think that's what, You know, everyone could do for uh, this uh, football team.
0: Well, Nick, we know you got to run. You're scheduled today, but thanks for a few minutes this morning and good luck in the game. And we will talk to you uh, after the game.
1: Appreciate it. You guys take care.
0: There is Nick Ford. When we come back. More football. Jay Stevens joins us. He covers the Buckeyes for the Locked On Podcast Network. We're gonna hear from Jay Stevens, get his take on the Buckeyes who pulled out of this game. How surprised was he? How big an impact is this gonna have? They're good, but it's not like the guys behind him are short and slow. However, maybe not as experienced, not as used to making the big plays, the big game-changing plays. We'll talk to Jay Stevens about that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Jay Stevens, host of Locked On Buckeyes. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Jay, good morning. Good morning, guys.
4: How are you guys doing?
0: We're doing well. Uh, we, of course, uh, everyone got the news. Ohio State is going to be missing two wide receivers, an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman, starters, impact guys. How, uh, how surprised were people that it came this late? Usually this news comes pretty quickly after the bowl uh, pairings are announced. When I didn't hear anything for about a week, I thought, well, maybe it's the Rose Bowl, so everybody's going to play. And now it turns out in the final week leading up to the Rose Bowl, everybody isn't going to play. How surprised or how off-guard did this catch uh, the Buckeyes?
4: So, as regards to the timetable about when it came out, Ryan Day and the team has been very tight with player availability all year long. So, I'm not really surprised it came out the week of the game. That part didn't surprise me. It just followed the track record and timetable that Ryan Day has utilized all season as far as who's going to play, if they can play, when they can't play. We'll announce it at the very last minute. The one thing that did surprise me was Chris Alave opting out, and here's why. Last week, there were some Ohio State beat writers that were talking on a podcast, and they said they had already heard rumblings internally that Haskell, Garrett, Nicholson, petit Frere and then Garrett Wilson were going to opt out, but nothing was official yet. They were just saying that they had heard based off people they had talked to. Chris Alave was in a video on Twitter practicing last week. He was even seen in a practice uniform on Monday, shortly before the announcement came out, that he was going to be opting out of the Rose Bowl. And so that's the biggest surprise. Last week when I heard the three possible names that would, that would possibly opt out, Garrett Wilson didn't surprise me. The left tackle didn't surprise me. Haskell Garrett was up in the air, but I thought he was going to play. But a of being in a practice uniform, even the day that he had opt, decided to opt out, that one surprised me the most.
2: Statistically, you look at the numbers and they've got three eye-popping receivers that jump out at you, obviously. Now, two of them are going to be gone in Wilson and Alave. And Alave had 936 yards so he was the third highest in terms of receiving yards and then there's a 700 yard drop off between him and the next player so the fourth leading receiver then who is the running back Henderson. My thought for you is how will they compensate for the loss of these two individuals with Wilson and Olave Uh, Henderson is a pretty good running back. Uh, Do they run the ball more? Do they throw the ball out of the backfield more to him or to some other guy that we don't know about step up and replace these guys, and so the offense doesn't change that much.
4: I think it'll be a mixture of the two. Ryan Day has been very pass heavy or, uh, this season, even when it's with their scripted plays early in the game first 10 to 15 plays that are scripted. You can tell he's trying to get the ball moving through the air very quickly. Run is second. I think we're going to see more of a mixture um, of in the run game and pass, not so much pass heavy the entire time. You mentioned Travion Henderson. I think we'll see a lot more a mixture of splitting the carries between Henderson and Mayan Williams, the backup running back. I think we'll see those two guys split carries in this game. There are some receivers that will be able to play that really haven't played much this year due to a Wilson being out. But I don't think Ryan Day is going to be as pass-heavy as he has been all year because these guys haven't got the run, haven't got the clock that the other two guys have gotten all year. And so he's going to have to kind of play the strong hand. Is is it going to be Henderson running the ball? Is it going to be Brian Williams running the ball, mixing in some of the younger receivers? Is Jeremy Rutgers going to be featured more in this game, a player that I think can be but has not been this year, really throughout his entirety of his career at Ohio State? So I think we're going to see more of a mixture, more of a balanced attack from Ohio State, not so pass-heavy with Wilson and Alave not playing in the game.
0: So there's a couple things to assess that make bowl games different than the regular season games. One is the opt-outs and the level of talent that's present. And then the second is the motivation level. And certainly Ute fans uh, got sick of hearing that Alabama didn't want to be there after the 2008 season, 2009 Sugar Bowl game. Does Ohio State want to be there?
4: Absolutely. I know there may be a narrative out there from people. I see up on Twitter that the players don't want to be there or it's just a meaningless bowl game. I wouldn't go that far. I think the players do want to be there. I think they've been working all between the last game of the season for Ohio State, the ugly loss to Michigan, and then this game now. I, think they, I do believe they want to be there. I do believe they're going to bring their best game. And I do believe that Ryan Day is preparing this team in the way that he is not taking this, team, this Utah team lightly or taking this moment lightly, being at the Rose Bowl. It's not called the granddaddy of the mall for no reason. It's not on New Year's Day for no reason. The time slot is not solidified for no reason. All these things go into what the Rose Bowl is, and I think because it is the Rose Bowl, it adds an added level of motivation for those players that are going to be playing on New Year's Day.
2: One of the things that's scary about the Ohio States and the Alabamas of the world is years ago it seemed like you know they were so heavily oriented towards the run and the quarterback was the proverbial game manager but now these two programs who were as elite as they can get they're they're putting in NFL quarterbacks and it's become basically an assembly line of NFL quarterbacks it's like whoever the starter is it's presumed that he's going to be a high draft pick probably a first rounder and we've seen that with the Buckeye program here in recent years my thought for you is a shroud You look at him, you know, he's basically getting in there to start, and it's looking like he's having a really good season. Just how good is he?
4: He is really good. He has blown me away after coming off. He missed the Akron game earlier in the year. He got injured in fall camp and injured in the right, I believe the Minnesota game, game number one, he he got injured in that game. So he was nursing a couple injuries, missed the game, and then his growth throughout the season – his ability pre-snap to post-snap, being able to acknowledge what the defense is doing and then attack the weakness that the defense has on that particular play, the intangibles that he has, then his ability to anticipate throws in a way that even at times as we marvel at Justin Fields, the quarterback that he was at Ohio State, Stroud has shown me a level of anticipation that we rarely saw from Justin Fields. And that's the biggest thing to me that I've seen he is his timing, his anticipation. And we've even seen him be very pleased at times when a lot of quarterbacks would be rattled. I am very blown away by his play this year, and I'm excited to see what he does Saturday against a really good Utah football team.
0: Ohio State only lost two games. All year, They gave up 269 yards rushing and lost to Oregon. They gave up 297 and lost to Michigan. Can Utah run the ball, keep that high-powered offense on the sideline where they can't do any damage, and pull off the upset? You said can they? All right, will they? (laughs) If you want to use can they as a dodge.
4: But you know what I'm getting at. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to be – let's a little bit deeper into the opt-out. Because I didn't hit on one guy that – I think maybe forgotten by a lot of people. You're going to harp on a lobby and Wilson and even a left tackle. Left tackle, very important. But losing Haskell Garrett on that defense is huge. And I've been going back and forth about this for a while. Ohio State's rotated a lot of guys on defense, been very confusing. But also you want to have guys that were playing more than maybe people thought they should or would that are going to, are going to get a lot of playing time in this game. Losing Haskell Garrett, three-tech defensive tackle, is huge. You leave the team in sacks and TFLs, tackles for loss. And so I do know the rushing attack. I do know what we the last time we saw Ohio State play a football game, they got gashed, they got embarrassed, they got called soft, and the best linebacker in Ohio State acknowledged that they were soft in that game. I called them soft. People I know called them soft. They were soft. With a lot of time in between Ohio State playing it against Michigan and then now I almost forgot that this is not a new season. This is the same team. And Ohio State's been soft all year. Do I think they'll play tougher than they did against Michigan? Yes. But my fear is the rushing attack that you mentioned is going to be enough to pull off the upset. I am still up in the air on this, but as I'm talking it out, losing half for Garrett is big. I don't know what to expect from these linebackers or how, what linebackers are going to play. Ohio State's playing too many guys at times. Um, I am leaning more towards the upset, and it pains me to say that. That physical team Utah has in Ohio State, That the last time I saw them play, Ohio State was not the Ohio State team that I expected to see in Ann Arbor. And my fear and my gut telling me we're, we're possibly, probably going to see more of that team on Saturday. <laughs>
2: Utah's athletic director came on our station a week or so ago and said that, wouldn't be surprised, to saw 60,000 people that are Ute fans in the Rose Bowl. And I think I saw that Ohio State returned some tickets. Uh, how many Ohio State fans do you think are going to be there?
4: Man, I'm probably thinking it could be 60, 40 Utah fans. It could be 70, 30 Utah fans. The big thing, Ohio State returned 7,000 of their 20,000 allotment that they got. And that was at first alarming. But when you add in ticket prices, um, the cost of flying to Pasadena, the cost of hotels and food and a car once you get there, and then even the uncertainty about playing the game, going from Ohio or wherever you are in the country to California, there's been so many bowl games canceled. That I'm sure a lot of people – are really wondering, is the game going to be played? Because we're bowl games canceled left and right. Um, so yeah, it could be 60-40. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 70-30, to be honest with you. Uh, just based off the amount of money that people are going to be spending just to go to that game in the time period we're living in right now. Um, yeah, the, the, the Utah fans could well be loud. Um, it, they'll probably dominate them. And I'm curious to see how loud it is at kickoff. Um, as far as who dominates the, the, the sound, is it more Utah fans or Ohio State fans? 70, 30, 60, 40. I wouldn't be surprised if the split is that way for each, for each fan base.
0: Yeah, they wear the same color, so at least the stands won't look too embarrassing, right? It's not like Iowa. when I was there true. with the black and gold, you know exactly who's Iowa and who isn't. So th- this will be a little this different. Is true. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate the time, Jay. Thanks for coming on and talking Rose Bowl with us.
4: Yeah, no problem, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for having
0: me on. There is Jay Stevens. When we come back, Pace Mannion, former Ute, former Jazz guy. We'll talk basketball with him. His son, Nico, was drafted by the Warriors and is uh, now playing in Italy, has had some uh, major health challenges. Talk to Pace a little bit about that. And Pace has lived in Utah and Arizona, his son plays for the Warriors. Yeah, he's tracking the top three teams in the NBA. We'll get his take on how they stack up and where they go over these last 50 regular season games. A little less than 50 now, 48-49 games for these teams. We'll talk with Pace next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Pace Mannion on the Smart Rain Guest Line. Smart Rain, state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Pace, good morning.
3: Good afternoon.
0: Sorry about texting you at midnight. (laughs) No, no worries, no worries. Don't know where in the world you are
3: sometimes. (laughs) It's all good.
0: Pace joining us from uh, Italy now, where he played, and his wife is from, and and your son Nico is now is now playing, getting ready to play.
3: He's he's getting ready. I had a tough uh, hit a virus. I lost a. Lost a lot of weight, lost about 40, 45 pounds, and but he's back now, and he's, you know, he should start playing here in the next week or so once they get off this, uh, this little break they're on right now. If you weigh one eighty, how do you lose forty pounds? Yeah, it, trust me, <laughs> it was scary, and it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. <laughs> I was, I, I told him I could use that, but you can't.
2: You know? Yeah, yeah. At his age, now check back in forty years would be another but, story, right? <laughs> yeah, but
3: he's uh, you know, he's back now, which is good because it was uh, you know it, it was scary. It was it was something you don't ever want to see anybody go through as much pain as he was in, and and what was going on with him was uh, was really scary. But he got to Bologna, and they they figured it all out, and you know he spent a few days in the hospital, but uh, he's he's good now. So thank God for that.
2: How's the medical world over there compared to what we have here?
3: Well, I think it depends on where you go you know and there are certain cities that I think you're very lucky to be in and one of them is Bologna that has a very good a good hospital here with a, a, a all their uh, what do you call them every, every part of their hospital is is one of the best. you get people traveling from the world to come here so and the doctors obviously because of where he is playing for the the biggest team in Italy Virtus Bologna, you know he gets good care so that was great and Gaia was here with him to monitor everything and they they were fantastic I you know he got once he got out of the hospital. He put on about he put on about forty pounds in thirty three days. So well, same so would I. His body, yeah, <laughs> that's when you had the hot dogs, though.
0: Oh, he's on the DJ hot dog plan. Sweet. <laughs> no, was,
3: but what I think the you know his 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 problem was you know his blood count got really low because he was he was losing so much blood and and once the blood was able to carry nutrients to his body. You know, his body just grabbed all of them. The weight came back quick. Then he had to put his muscle mass back on. He came back a little early, tweaked his back. Core wasn't ready to be playing yet, and so that's why they held him out for a couple weeks. But he's – they've had about five days off because there's some COVID-related issues with the team. Two guys were positive, so they shut the team down for three days. We've been kind of locked down in the house for a while. But it's all good. You know, he's healthy. He'll start playing when he's ready to play. That's all I'm – I'm concerned about. He's in a great city. He's with a great team. You know, there he'll get better. Obviously, the dream is to get back to the NBA, which I think will happen in a year or two. So, it's a it's a much tougher it's a tougher way to play basketball than it is the NBA in Europe because of the style. So, you know, once you get successful over here, coming back there with the spacing and the rules, it seems to come a lot easier for guys.
0: Pace Mannion joining us, former Ute, and, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because obviously your son, Nico, was drafted by the Warriors, played for the Warriors. Uh, you lived in Utah after you were done playing and you did uh, radio and TV and there's a bunch of hilarious stories I wish we had time to get into about that. We don't
3: that. have any time. I don't have
0: time for that. <laughs> let them go. Just let them go. Okay. And then, uh, well, we already brought up the hot dog. That's one story. Uh, and then you moved You moved to Arizona and that's where Nico went to high school. So you were in Phoenix and now you've relocated to Utah with, with him going, going to Italy. But that's Utah, Arizona, Golden State ties. And look at what three clubs have the best record in the NBA. And you can tell me you're not following Pace, but I wouldn't believe you. I know you're following all three of them for multiple reasons. Partly fan, partly professional memories, and partly your son's future. So you've got multiple reasons to follow all of these. And I'm curious... Uh, we've had Warriors Suns games now. We've seen them play, and it's regular season, and Clay Thompson isn't there, so it's certainly not perfect for the you know you know to line us up for what might happen in a playoff series that could look really different. We haven't seen the Jazz play either one of those teams yet, so with all that factored in, what do you think?
3: Well, I think you know the Jazz are three games out of first, they're a game out of second. I mean they're they're in the mix for everything, and right now it's you know you're playing to get seeding and be home court advantage and all the things you want, but. They're capable of beating anybody right now the warriors are, are, are extre- playing extremely well It'll be interesting to see what they do when when clay comes back when Wiseman comes back does it help them Does it hurt their chemistry Are there some you know chinks in the armor do they find it'll be interesting to see how that breaks down. The thing I look at when I watch these teams play is and, and not to not go because he's been playing fantastic for the jazz he's been phenomenal when you get to the playoffs and one team goes small ball, can you allow to leave Rudy on the floor? And and that's what I where the Warriors I think take advantage of a lot of people with their ball movement. And if they move Draymond to the four or the five even and and go small, they're tough to guard. And they just surround you with shooters and they they move the ball so well and guys are unselfish and it's uh, it's tough to beat them. So the, that's the the thing that the, the Jazz will have to figure out down the road to beat those teams. I think. The Suns are very good, but they rarely go as small as anybody else. They like to keep DeAndre on the floor. He's been, he's been playing great all year, so it's, uh But those three teams in the West right now, I think you can you know, flip a coin because all three of them will be in the mix come the end of the year.
2: And we saw that, you speak of that small ball last year, we still have nightmares of that Terrence Mann going off and having the game of his life, hitting all those corner threes, and and the Jazz look a little discombobulated. Do you think if that situation arises, and you speak of the Warriors, and they're very proficient at that, particularly when Thompson comes back, can the Jazz... Have Gobert on the floor, but take him away from the basket. Would they be willing to do that, knowing that that's his strength? But because of the lineups that they have of the other team, maybe be forced to do that. And can they do that? And would be would they be okay if they did do that?
3: Well, I think you have to have him come away from the basket. You know, because if not, that's what happens. You know, he gets stuck in a, you know, in a drop coverage. You know on some moves or he gets caught in a switch where he's got, you know, Clay Thompson, you have to go out. It's not like you can say, I'm not going to go guard him. So either he figures out a way to go out and guard those guys and chase them off the line, hope your rotations are really good. Um, But it's, you know, again, nobody passes the ball as well as Warriors. You know, they're, and they're coming from the San Antonio mold because that's where, you know, Kerr was under pop and he's seen how that works and share the basketball. You know, you have your superstars on that Warrior team, but, there's everybody. Everybody knows how to play in that system right now, and they're figuring it out really well. So um, I think the, the Jazz can figure it out, but it's uh, it's it's going to be tough. I think Rudy's the key. Can he manage that playoff time when the team goes small? Can he manage to stay on the floor and not hurt them?
0: So, I don't have a problem with that necessarily because he could have gone out to the corner and stood there and made sure Terrence Mann get, got shots. But to me, the problem was the other guys couldn't stay in front of their man. So, if Rudy goes out to the corner and makes sure Terrence Mann or whoever he's matched up with in a Warrior Series or a Sun Series doesn't go off, are all the other guys giving up layups because they can't stay in front of their guys?
3: Well, look, you're talking about the best players in the world, you know, and there's not many guys. Can
0: that can stay in say, front of Steph Curry.
3: <laughs> We're, well, in front of any, you know, you yeah. name any starting point guard at NBA, you know, and all of them are, are capable of beating you off the bounce. You know, do you want to go out and guard Dane? Do you want to go out and guard Steph? Do you want to guard Chris Paul? That's why they are who they are. And when you get to the playoffs, you're playing against the best teams that have gotten there because they're better than everybody else. So you're getting those better guards and the better twos, better threes, all those guys can put it on the floor and beat you. So it's everybody's going to do that. The teams that shoot the three ball in the playoffs seem to do really well um, because it's just a backbreaker. You know, you can be down nine, 10, 12 points, and in three possessions, you're right back in the game. So, and the Warriors are the best at that because of Steph. Well, and Clay, obviously, but there and Jordan Poole has stepped up, even though he's out with the protocol right now. He's, you know, he's playing really well in, in the place of Clay right now, and he's shown he can score he's not Clay Thompson yet, but you know he's he's looking to make a nice contract next year as well. Yeah,
2: that's what mads me the intrigue about when Thompson comes back and he's coming back sooner than later, because you've got players like Poole and uh, Peyton's son who are stepping up. But what do you think is going to happen? Because I don't think they can just bring him back and these other guys can continue to play at their level because there's just simply not enough shots. Curry's going to get his. I mean, you're not going to discourage him from shooting, obviously. Whose games are going to suffer from the Warriors, and how will it affect the overall product?
3: Well, excuse me. in my opinion, I think, you know, Gary Payton will be the one that will suffer the most because he's the least offensive skilled player they have on the perimeter, although he's played well as of late. He's your defensive guy. But, you know, if you could put Clay, because they really don't, that system they run, uh, the point guard is not as important as you think because Dre brings it up. They, you know, even if Steph brings it up, he's giving it up and getting off the ball for a catch and shoot. So if you've got Clay and Jordan Poole and Steph, all three on the perimeter, which all three shoot the ball as well as they do and you put Draymond at the five and play Otto Porter at the four or vice versa, you've got four guys that are great at shooting the three ball. It's a tough one to guard. So I think Peyton loses a few minutes. Jordan Poole might lose a few if they, because I know Kerr will try to keep everybody happy for a while. And then the minute they start to have to make a run, he'll cut his rotation to eight like he did last year and say, okay, we want to try and win some games and and for our seeding or for whatever. And and that's when guys will have their minutes cut out, but he won't do it too early because the season is too long. You don't want to, He'll keep playing Steph his you know, 36 minutes, and that's where he keeps him at all year long, and then he'll bump it up towards the end during the playoffs if they need him on the court more.
0: Pace Mannion joining us, former Ute, former Jazz guy, former broadcaster locally. And have you seen enough of the Jazz going small with Rudy Gay to assess how good that is, how much of a problem will that cause really good teams in playoff series?
3: You know, I haven't seen it, but I know enough about Gay. and the Jazz system is. I mean, they run a great system. You know, their ball movement. You know, their their penetration and kick. Their you know their pick and roll stuff they do. I mean, Quinn Snyder's a genius. Obviously, he's done a great job there. And I think, like like you pointed out, PK, you, you, what happened. You know, with with the Clippers and and, and the shots they got in the in the, in the playoffs. That well, those are things you'll look at and go, how do we fix that? And if anybody can do it, you know, Snyder can. He's He's been there, he, he he knows how to how to coach. So those things will happen. And if Rudy's you know, I haven't seen him this year, but if if he's good enough to, to rebound and defend and, and do what he needs to do at that position, you know, you can get away with it if everybody's going small. Um, he'll be he'll be fine. I, I, I truly believe in that system. That's one of the systems I really, really like in the NBA. If you watch teams play, they're they're one of the ones you enjoy going to games and seeing how they how they run their offense.
2: With you being over there in Italy, we've seen so many players come over and not just end of the bench guys. It used to be, the, you know, maybe they can contribute, but now they're their major contributors all throughout the entire European leagues, of every one of them. I'm wondering now, as you're watching this, uh, how much uh, improvement has the game been over there to where there will be significant. Contributions of players, uh, more role players. What do you see as far as the future of foreign basketball impacting the NBA?
3: Well, it's already impacted it quite a bit, but I think the game over here has changed tremendously from when I was here, and a lot of it's because they don't have as. When I was here, you can only have two foreigners. Now you can have as many. It seems like as many as you want. But they, the game has gotten so physical over here. Um, it's astonishing to me how physical it is, Um, it's worse than watching, you know, Detroit and Chicago in the playoffs back in Michael's early years. Really? Because, yeah, it is just there's so much contact, there's so much banging. They don't allow a hand check, but the forearm on the perimeter, you know, you can bump guards off their line, you can do what you want to do out front, they let you get away with a lot of stuff. So I think what you'll see is the guys that are skilled enough over here, the Europeans that are skilled enough, to play in the NBA, because when they get there, guys like, you know, you wonder why Doncic had such great success. He'd been playing from the time he was 15 years old in the European, in the Euroleague. So he'd been getting beat up forever. When you watch the European game, then you come back and watch an NBA game. The NBA game looks, there's so much space, and it seems like there's no contact compared to what you're seeing here. And so I think those guys will get there and they'll have a bigger impact because once they do get there, they're going to realize – I have more space. The game is faster. They don't want to call. They, they want to call the fouls because they're giving the offense the advantage because they want more scoring for the fans. And over here, they don't care about that. Over here, they they could care less about what the fans want. It's all about we're going to go by the book. There's no gray area. It's black and white. And so, but it's 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 a good game to watch. It's just not as fast or as free flowing as an NBA game. But I think you'll see guys come over and have big impact in the next few years because there are some very good players over here.
0: All right, now let's get to the good stuff. <clears throat> so everyone, I think now he's got an MVP, and and Jokic is playing great for Denver and carrying them when there's very little around him, and when he subs out of a game, everything falls apart. And everybody's got that down cold. But the Jokic brothers, that surprised people a little bit.
3: Did you know about them? No, I still don't. Oh, really? I don't know. I, mean, uh, I, I would just I've say that him, you, I've seen Jokic's brothers in the stands getting ready to fight, but I didn't know there was anybody else out there.
0: <laughs> that was that's what I was talking about. <laughs> those guys, those guys. Uh, I don't think I want to get into it with Nikola.
3: No, I think you let him go because he's got more backup than most guys.
0: Yeah, you know. right.
3: His, and it's family, so they're willing to go. You know, to the map all the way. Yeah, yeah they're going to go all the way. So, but it's uh, I tell you that's it's, it's it's great. He's got that. You know, when you come to another country and you're going to get harassed. It's nice to have family in the stands to do what they do. (laughs) I would love that. Are you kidding me?
0: The only thing P.K. missed is, you know, they're not Italian, because
2: otherwise it'd be straight out of The Godfather, (laughs) and P.K. would be all about it.
3: They'd be all mafia stuff for P.K. I know, I get it.
2: I'm wondering as far as the advancements in salaries over there in Europe, as far as, you know, what they make, and is it the dream for kids who grow up and pick a country to play in the NBA? Because if you're getting highly compensated over there, you know obviously it's a major impact on your life the basketball is one thing but you know to, to, it, it always amazes me these guys that come over and you did it the other way you were a little older though you weren't you know like 18 19 years old when you went over to uh, Italy you were older and so it amazes it amazes me you get these pluck these kids out of countries where they do it in baseball, you know, they're, they're so young and from the Latin American countries and then they bring them over and it's got to be this massive adjustment. Is it still the goal of kids who grow up in whatever country over there to play in the, in, in the NBA?
3: I think it is for some of them, but I think there are so many guys over here at PK that they start playing and they, they love the city they're in. They love the team they're on. They love the, everything about the European league, Excuse me, but they and they're making good money, and they just don't want to risk. You know, if I go to the NBA and I don't play and I fail, you know, and and then I got to come back here, and it's it's and it's an ego thing for them. But I think a lot of them, if they go, you know, like Ginobili when he went, he took a pay cut to go, but then obviously he made that money back because he was good enough to make that money back. You know, I look at Nico coming here this year, and you know, the money he's making this year is so much more than he'd have made in the NBA. He's making as much as some of the guys that got drafted in the first round the year before when he was, when he was drafted in the second round, because they, they pay him X amount of dollars. They pay a 50% tax on that salary. He's living in a two and a half million dollar apartment, downtown Bologna, and they give him a, he's driving a Porsche. So your house, your car, your salary, um, everything's taken care of. So it's. And the lifestyle here—it depends on where you're at. Obviously, he's in a great city, so that's one of the nicest things you can have—is you know where you live is a big key because you got to be here for nine months out of the year. But this is a great spot for him. You know, he wanted to play one year and come back. I don't know if that'll happen because you're only going to get about half a season in because of the the sickness he had. But like I said, you know, you've got a two-year guaranteed contract. You're you're good. You're going to be fine. You're 20 years old. You haven't—you won't turn 21 until March. You know, you're still – you, you're becoming – if you do go back in two years, you'll be like some guys just coming out of college that were in the class yeah. when you came here. Yeah. So,
2: Well, it, it, uh, when guys go over who, in, in this case, haven't played in the in the league, when they go over and then they want to come back, are they free agents?
3: Well, Nico isn't because they still – all they have to do is make an offering. <clears throat> they make an offer, a qualifying offer every year, which they told him they were going to do. He'll still be the rights of the Warriors. They'll still be able to okay. match any offer he gets. But, okay. You know, Nico's not worried about that. He just said, you know, I, I think when I come back, the offer will be good enough that they'll, if they match it, they're matching yeah. it because they know I, I'm going to come play. Right, right And right. if they don't, I'm going somewhere, I'm going to get to play anyway. So that's all anybody wants. You talk about being in the NBA, and you talk you know, you know, talk about getting shots taken away like you were talking about before with the Warriors. Guys aren't worried about their shots. They're worried about their minutes. You know, you, as long as you get on the floor, most guys get on the floor, and you, you watch this even now when you're seeing all these guys come up from the G League, getting these, you know, time to play, everybody can play. A lot of guys can play in that league, um, given the opportunity. you just got to be in the right place at the right time and, mm-hmm. and, and get a shot. You know, like all these young guys in Houston, they're a horrible team, but all these young guys are getting all the minutes they want because they're so bad. And that's, yeah. the, you know, yeah, you're learning by losing, but you're still learning. And it's, it's a good thing to go through.
0: Well, last thing before we let you go, you are a Ute. And when you played at the University of Utah – football program was in a really different place. Literally, the football coaches had offices in the basketball arena. You probably crossed paths with them to some oh, yeah. point. It was not a winning situation. And now obviously they are in the Rose Bowl. How much does that blow your mind when you look back at twenty-year-old Pace Mannion on a basketball powerhouse? You're playing in Sweet Sixteens, and the poor football coaches are slepping around the basketball arena, and now they're in the Rose Bowl.
3: Yeah, we used to laugh at the football guys because we'd get—I mean, you know—we had more fans than they did, um, and but—and we'd see the football coaches. Obviously, they—we we liked all those guys. We we're going to give them the McBride and Jugi and all the guys you see up there. But I wasn't going to harass them. But it's, they've come a long way. You know, you got to give Kyle credit. You know, Urban came in and turned it around, and and Kyle's been phenomenal for the last 87 years, it seems like. But um, they got a tough one ahead of them. You know, that's going to be a great game, I think, going to the Rose Bowl. I, I like what they're doing. I, I watched them this year. You know, when the quarterback rising came in, they just kind of turned things around. And you just hope on. You know, I think they, they play on the first, don't they? Yep. Yeah. You hope you hope they can run the ball because if they can run the ball, it seems like that's the one thing Ohio State struggles with is is that because. I think they're averaging like 550 yards and 45 points a game. You give them the ball back; they're you know they're good. But I, then I read; I thought I read that some of their did some of their receivers decide to sit out. Yeah, the draft? I didn't know how much yeah. you
0: got that with the time difference there in Italy. But two of their top three receivers, a starting offensive lineman, a tackle, and a starting defensive lineman. So four players have opted out to protect yeah. their their health for the NFL.
3: Yeah, well, I, you can't blame them, and you know it's a and it's it's a great you know, a chance for some young kid to step in and play really well, and you don't know who's good behind those guys, so that's a, you know, that's a wild card as well, because you know they recruit very well there, so it might not be that big of a drop-off, but, you know, obviously Utah's got their hands full, and I, you know, I'm happy they're there, and I wish them luck, and, you know, I'll be, I'll be watching.
0: Well, the only sad thing is that you don't have the red and the blue show and uh, you can beat up on a Lemma like you did in that Fiesta Bowl season. Poor yeah, Lemma well, sitting they got,
3: there. BYU got Utah this year, so.
0: <laughs> That's true. He, I, I, he I, can't, that. I can't give
3: too him much, too much this year, but it, it was fun while it lasted. I know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Pace, we appreciate the time. We will talk to you again later this season, and uh, good luck to Nico and tell him DJ and PJ say hi. I will. Thanks, guys. All right, there is Pace Mannion. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. Stay with us.
5: Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending.
6: Are you ready? On 97.5,
5: 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz.
2: With Trent, like any young player, there's certain things, you know, that you want to work on. His ability to drive the ball, for him to continue to do that, particularly people are going to go under on him in pick and roll at times, he can get a rescreen and still get to the paint and find people. Defensively, I just want him to keep doing what he's doing. He's unique defensively with his length and also with his instincts. And then, you know, we want him to keep shooting the ball with confidence. that's something that, you know, he gets a ton of reps on that. That's going to continue to be something he works on. But he does have the ability even if people are closing out short, to get by and to get in the lane, and he's so poised in the lane.
0: Quint Snyder and what Trent Forrest needs to do to improve. Probably see a little more of Trent playing tonight as the Jazz are in Portland to meet the Blazers. Though no Donovan Mitchell, not on this road trip, so an opportunity for Trent Forrest to play. And the Blazers, PK, bad team, 13-20, seven games under 500, 12th in the West, but... Horrific on the road at 2-12. Decent at home, 11-8, which is actually tied for the fourth best home record in the West. So if the Jazz play well, they ought to be fine. But if they come out with a B-minus effort, then they could be in trouble.
2: Yeah, this is a great Northwest. You know, there's a lot of trees up there, right? You've been up there. A yes. lot of trees, aren't you? Yeah. So what you want, uh, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees. You know, you just hope Trent can overcome it.
0: Thank you for that, PK. <laughs> do You have any any insight into the game you'd like to share, or just gonna go right to the Steve Klauke puns and stay there?
2: Come on, I've never played the game. I haven't put hat on hat. What do I know? Oh, uh, you know a thing or two. <laughs> you know what people tell you. You got
0: a couple deep throats to keep you informed.
2: Well, I think that that is what we've been saying for weeks. The Jazz continue to play their game, and they're going to be fine. Yeah, you know, I think that. The, the thing that they've got to do is find a way to have everybody contribute when everybody's there because they don't seem to have an issue of having guys do more when others are out. Now they've been fortunate. I mean, I don't think they've lost anybody to, uh, to the protocol. Whereas teams in you know, the Warriors lost last night, they got two guys out yeah. two starters and guys are dropping left and right with this. And, your, your, your guy, Dan Wolkin, wrote a thing for USA Today. You're just ripping the league for charging full price to bring up all these other types of players, and everybody and their dog is getting signed now. And that hasn't affected the Jazz. But what I find that you can almost, to the point of literally count on it time after time, is when somebody's down, they've got enough to overcome it, certainly in the short term. We saw it the other night. And when they get to the playoff, what would be good is that if those guys who find ways to step up their games when guys go out, particularly Mitchell in this case, if they could still step up their games while everybody is there, then they'd really be something.
0: Portland's got a half dozen players in those health and safety protocols. Yusuf Nurkic, Cody Zeller, Robert Covington. So, uh, Dennis Smith Jr., Ben McLemore, there are some guys who are going to be missing for the Blazers tonight as the Jazz play them. Tip-off a set for 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage starts at 7 o'clock with Jazz, the game night, the pre-game show right here on the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK.
5: Hashtag NBA. Giannis is going to launch up a three-pointer on the other side, and he'll splash it through. Did we say this guy's special? There are times when you can just shake your head. Wilson makes them both. Now Boucher comes over. They go to Embiid. Boucher tips it away. Joel gets it back, and Joel puts it in. Boucher saved it, but it went right to Embiid along the baseline. He turns and scores. Here comes Russ
0: again. He'll back up a
5: little bit. Down
2: the middle. Goes LeBron. Throw it down,
0: King.
7: (laughs) Woo. LeBron, again.
5: One-on-one with Looney. Head fake. Puts it on the floor. Throws out of it to Rivers for three. That one's no good. Rebound Joker. Put it back. Up and in. Finds Curry. Right side. It's a triple and it's good. It's good with 3.9 to go. The quarter ends and you can add another moniker to the Stephen Curry saga. He's now Mr. 3000.
0: 3,000 three-pointers for Steph Curry, but they needed one more three, and they couldn't get it. The Warriors shorthanded, as you mentioned, PK. Draymond Green, the biggest name missing, and they get beat by the Nuggets. 89-86, a big block shot from Nikola Jokic right at the end of the game when it was a two-point game, and he got the block in the paint, and the Nuggets hold on
2: and get the win. I think we're going to have to hope is when we get to the postseason That guys aren't having to sit out because of this thing.
0: Yes, we should definitely, definitely be hoping for that. Hopefully it'll be uh, before that. But we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, but they sit out during the regular season. I know, exactly. So if they miss a game now, they were going to miss a game later anyway. Yeah. Ricky Rubio had it going. He had LeBron-like numbers. LeBron had 32 points. You heard the dunk there and there. Uh, 32 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists was the center for a while as the Lakers went with a small lineup and beat the Rockets 132-123. Ricky Rubio for the Cavs, 27 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists. He's having a massive game, but they lose him to a knee injury and the Pelicans beat the Cavs 108-104. Rubio uh, hurt his knee with 220 to go in the fourth quarter, helped off the court, not putting any pressure on his leg. I couldn't tell if he went down untouched, slipped, and the knee gave out. There was one report that he stepped on somebody's foot. I couldn't quite see that. Maybe he did. But whatever it was, he was in obvious pain there as they helped him off the court.
2: Well, you need to figure it out. I mean, you couldn't see it, so I, I don't know what. I, I need your report. Well, how about we get your report? What would you see? Well, it was an awkward uh, move. Yeah. Whether he stepped on so what difference does it make? I mean, the result is it was awkward, and it looked like uh, it would be something that could be painful. Minimally, I don't know how long he's going to be out. If at all, I've seen worse and guys come back, so I don't know, but it obviously was an awkward thing.
0: Joel Embiid keeps putting up fantastic numbers 36 points, 11 rebounds, and the Sixers beat the Raptors 114 109. I to a Giannis highlight in there too. He had a 28 point game. Bucks beat the Magic easily 127 110. DJ and PK.
5: Hashtag college basketball.
0: Utah State opens Mountain West Conference play today in Colorado Springs against Air Force. Aggies are 9-4. Air Force is 7-4. Scotty G will have the call. The game starts at 1 o'clock in Colorado Springs. Pre-game show on 1280 The Zone starts at 1230. And you'll hear our regularly scheduled programming on 97.5 The Zone. And the game will be over on 1280 The Zone. BYU wraps up the non-conference slate tonight. They've got Westminster, 7 o'clock on BYU TV. The Cougars are 11-3. That ought to be 12-3, and then they'll be off the West Coast Conference play. DJ and PK.
5: Hashtag NFL. I wasn't a guy when I was coaching to say,
3: I want to get out and I want to be a broadcaster. And everyone, Dick Stockton with John Madden. I'm Vin Scully along with John Madden. But I knew after I did the first couple games that that's what I wanted to do. This is it. There's a lot of kids that have learned football by playing the Madden game where they'll say, you know, we ought to do it like they do it in a video game. And I'm thinking, holy moly, what a change. You know, it's okay to say, what are you doing? I'm going to go play Madden.
0: John Madden, Hall of Fame coach, turned broadcaster, turned video game legend, passed away at the age of 85 yesterday. Uh, They didn't give a cause of death. It was unexpected. Madden, of course, won Super Bowl with the Raiders, coached for a decade. Highest win percentage of the coaches who have 100 wins. Went into the Hall of Fame eventually and uh, had an incredible career, cracked a lot of people up, called a lot of huge games. He was was the voice of football there for a while, PK. Uh,
2: That's what they say, yeah.
0: Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians currently isolated after testing positive for COVID-19. Indianapolis Colts starting quarterback Carson Wentz tested positive. He was unvaccinated, so it doesn't look like he'll be playing for a while. So... The hits keep on coming in the NFL as well as the NBA. Although both the NFL and the Players Association have reached an agreement. Isolation time, five days now instead of ten for players to test positive.
2: Okay, so that that means they could do it on a Monday and be back to play, right? Is that the point of that?
0: Uh, and I think it depends on the symptoms, too. But possibly, yes.
2: Well, I what do you mean the symptoms? It's whether you test positive or not. It doesn't matter, right?
0: I think it... Well, I'm not sure. I think it does matter if the symptoms go on. But a lot of the players who are vaccinated aren't having symptoms, so that becomes not an issue for them. Which, to yeah. your point, can bring people back. Um, Wentz is unvaccinated. I don't, know, I don't know where he stands with symptoms or not. Jacksonville Jaguars head coaching search has begun in earnest. Scheduled an interview with Doug Peterson. Led Philly to a Super Bowl title. Also interview former current... Colts, or excuse me, former Colts and Lions head coach Jim Caldwell, in addition, to putting in a request to interview people who currently have jobs. Tampa Bay offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich, defensive coordinator Todd Bowles, Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. So they got a long list of people they're talking to. Defensive coordinator Dan Quinn there in Dallas too. Okay, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football.
5: So on first down, now another play fake. And again, trying to get away. Stays alive and throws a pick. Threw it right to the defender. Down the sideline, Merlin Robertson is going to be tracked out from behind. And the ball comes out. I don't believe it. Algier. Tyler Algier chased him down and not only tackled him, he stripped it. And then it was the quarterback, Jaron Hall, who followed the play. And... Hustled
0: down and fell on the football. Tyler Algier's forced fumble against ASU. A big play. Algier had a big season. Ran for 1,601 yards. Broke Luke Staley's school single-season rushing record. 23 rushing touchdowns for Algier leading the country. And he has announced he's going pro. He's off to the NFL to cash in.
2: Yeah, good for him. I hope it works out. He's just a big-time success story. And I love the fact that he played in the independence bowl. And then after he's done, decides to do this rather than taint the bowl game. And all you people who came after me, taint, 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 taint.
0: We can get into that later. It was bizarre
2: yet hilarious. (laughs) We wish him well, man. We love this type of story. All of us love this type of story. Walk-on kid, linebacker, running back, linebacker again, running back again, and then just ran so well when he got the ball. And, you know, last year, oh, it's a cake schedule. Well, this year they had seven power five teams. And what did he do? I mean, he obviously he did well. I and mean, I think, what did he get, like 96 against Utah? Which, if you get 96 against Utah, that's like getting 150 against most teams.
0: Bowl games. Air Force getting another win for the Mountain West. They beat Louisville 31-28. to The Mike Leach Bowl. Texas Tech, his former school, blowing out his current school, Mississippi State, 34-7.
2: Yeah, Mississippi State had like 16 guys out, they said, or something. I tried to watch it. I did, too. uh, I just couldn't Couldn't care. (laughs) I just couldn't Uh, get into it. I I had my, not my heart said that's too strong, but I had my evening plan to watch the Bruins. Yeah, Yeah, because it's a Pac-12 team. And then they canceled uh, right before the NC State coach felt that they, he was lied to or whatnot. So that didn't work. I watched a little bit of the Madden stuff on Fox and then uh, got into the Nuggets and Warriors game.
0: Houston beat Auburn 17 13, 20th ranked Houston picking up a win over an SEC school there. Auburn finishes 6 and 7. And Minnesota beat West Virginia. We have to keep our eye on Big Twelve teams going forward. There, PK. Big Ten gets a win over the Big well, Twelve.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. Houston, twelve and two, man. Yeah. they a Big Twelve team. Yep. At uh, some point winning. here, I don't know when, but uh, and that was a day game there, so that was okay. It was easier to watch, and I was watching Houston because of the fact that uh, they will be in, and I did watch a little bit of the West Virginia game. Not, not. Um, I wasn't locked down on it, but I kept flicking back.
0: Schedule for today, Maryland and Virginia Tech, Pinstripe Bowl, Yankee Stadium, that's noon on ESPN. Clemson and Iowa State, Big 12 school right there in the Cheez-Its Bowl, 345 on ESPN. And then, a uh, Pac-12, Big 12 game, Oregon and Alabama, uh, excuse me, Alabama, oh, Oregon and Oklahoma, number 14 Oregon, number 16 Oklahoma, in the Alamo Bowl, 715 on ESPN.
2: The Alamo Bowl, that's the last bowl I've covered. And hopefully it won't be the last, because if it is the last, then that's a big story either way. Right. Either I don't do any more bowl games or I've died.
0: (laughs) San Diego State standout punter, Matt has entered the NFL draft after winning the Ray Guy Award. So, off to the pros. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801. 295-1690 295-1690 that's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Matt Brown, publisher of Extra Points covering college football and college athletics. He's an Ohio State grad. We'll get Matt Brown's perspective on the Rose Bowl and the Buckeyes and the Utes. Coming up at 9 o'clock, Mike Smith, Jazz Studio Analyst for at and Sportsnet will join us to talk about the Jazz and the Blazers tonight. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
5: It's official, the Utes the 2021 Pac-12 champs and are heading to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What better way for the Utes to make their inaugural trip to the Rose Bowl than a battle against Ohio State? Keep it locked on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the Utes' historic trip to Pasadena. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes in the Rose Bowl is right here on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
0: Hot texture Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR at 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahhairmd.com. Question of the morning, if the Utes win the Rose Bowl, where would it rank among the program's all-time accomplishments?
2: Well, not very high since these guys have locked, opted out. So, you know, who cares? Sarcasm. Wrong, <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong. This would be the best accomplishment they've ever had. I don't get how you can com- connect Utah to these guys opting out. This has nothing to do with Utah. This burst basically has nothing to do with the game. It's the prestige of the Rose Bowl. Is the point. The game goes on with or without them. And you play the game to, it will be played, obviously. And and if you win, you win. I'm just talking about the prestige of the game, the granddaddy. But so many Utes in there just, people pick on us mentality, just took it wrong. And I'm thankful that you did take it. I mean, you can take it wrong. Just take it. And, I mean, it's still the number one red story up on the website over there. That website across the street is very, very popular. Uh, I'm setting records, David James Setting <laughs> <Nickledorff. laughs> <laughs> records. I am. Is the Elias I get a,
0: Sports Bureau tracking them?
2: I get a Track buck buck the numbers, page, page, baby. Buck a page view. Sweet. I am, I am just going to be in the money. E. Gonna buy another you can home have down your there. awards.
0: You can buy another home cash. down there. Yeah, buy another home down there in Manhattan Beach. Oh, jeez, I'm yeah. going to Maui now. Uh, the fans responding. Some are uh, right there with you. Aaron says if the youth win, it'll be right there at the top. And then he goes straight to the rivalry. Why fans will spend their existence diminishing it in every way possible because they can't handle reality.
2: There's no diminishment at all.
0: None. Zero. John says, well, against a depleted the Ohio State team, it would mean, like, uh, beating a Mountain West Conference champion.
2: Not true. Not true, man. I just don't see that at all. How State has one stud after another. So, these guys take off. So be it. If the Utes manage to win, celebrate wildly. You won the Rose Bowl. That, that, that says it all, man. The, the stuff that it'll do for your program, it's literally immeasurable. And for your university, for that matter, it's already doing a lot just having an appearance in it. But to actually win it would just be just off the charts incredible.
0: Michael says, shouldn't this question read, if the Utes play in the Rose Bowl? Michael, that type of negativity. Well, they're
2: going to play in the Rose Bowl. I don't understand. What do you mean, if?
0: Well, I think he's saying it's going to be canceled like the Holiday Bowl and the Fenway Bowl and whatever else. I don't think so. Josh says it would rank right behind the youth picking Tyler Huntley over Zach Wilson. Man, the rivalry in all things, huh?
2: What does that mean, picking Tyler Huntley over Zach Wilson? They
0: were in different different recruiting classes, yeah.
2: Don't don't bother people with the facts. <laughs> it was not. everyone uh, wants to go
8: Jack Tuttle. Yeah, he can. The guy but, who uh,
0: never played for the Utes and transferred to Indiana and isn't playing much. And yeah,
8: he's actually expected to be their starter moving forward we'll see. next year, maybe. We shall
2: see. You yeah. don't know. Good for him.
0: Warren, oh, is Ohio State going to grace us with their presence?
2: Yes. They will be, they will be there, I promise you.
0: Steven says, I think it'll be uh, number one, Alabama, number two, beating Pitt in the Fiesta Bowl, number three, Pac 12 champs, and number four, Rose Bowl champs. No. I can't no, see this game being them. ranked fourth. Come on now. It's ranked first.
2: The granddaddy. The most, step the most exposure into the your program will ever have or has ever had. And you're doing it as a Pac-12 team. You know, you were thought of kind of an odd, uh, almost, well, yeah, we got to let you in type of thing uh, when you were in the Mountain West. Here, they don't have to let you do anything. You earned the right to be there. And you'll be taken that much more seriously.
0: Chris says, number two, right behind the Sugar Bowl, right?
2: Nah. I think this is way bigger than the Sugar Bowl. I really believe that. I think you can cash in on it. People looked at it as sort of, a, well, yeah, good for you. You got in there one time. Here they've been knocking on the door of this thing for three years, and they got the thing done and you beat Oregon like you did, like beat them like a drum, man. My gosh, both times in less than uh, you know two weeks of span. So this is a big, big deal. And if they finish this thing off, wow. And plus two, so much attention on the program. Unfortunately, it comes uh, to a degree. Obviously, they'll play up uh, the two players who lost their lives. And that'll be something that I'm sure will be mentioned because this will be a broad audience for all of us. We've heard the story many, many times over, but folks who tune in, you know, they may not have. And so, you know, they're going to have something to what degree they're certainly going to talk about it. And so that this brings untold amount of attention to your program. And then if you go out and win, man, wow, what an accomplishment. That would be, I mean, it would, to me, it would rank number one. 30 years of building to get to this moment. Yeah, I mean, you can go longer than that if you want.
0: J.H. says, don't you guys mean when they win the Rose Bowl? And then it'll be number one
2: because it is the granddaddy. Okay, yeah, well, if you're that confident, so be it. I'm not. I'm going to pick him to win, but I'm not
0: going to the point
2: of win. Yeah, I mean that's not a it's not a guarantee by any stretch to me. And these players opting out, I don't think it removes any luster off this game. Zero, nothing. In fact, I think it says more about Utah's program. That's what I think, and I took a ton of abuse on this thing, and it's me. So I mean, I could write the sky's blue, and people are going to think, well, that's because you're a Cougar fan or something. You know, they're going to, and 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 I've I've earned that reputation to a degree of you're going to be skeptical because of what I say, and we've said many many times over. You know, you say something. And it gets back and i'm criticized one of our own employees you said something about air supply and he goes on facebook before he worked with us and ripped me yeah and i never said a thing about air supply (laughs) (laughs) oh it must have been you (laughs) right right nothing no no i don't know what to tell you 70 soft rock doesn't do it for me i'm out fine but it's your fault but whatever i I don't care I mean, to me, if, if I don't like something, all I got to do is change the channel, and away I go, and I'll find something that I like. So, I didn't say anything. The point being, you ripped 70s uh, soft rock group, as you yep. said, and I took the abuse. So, I, I understand that's part of the deal here. Uh, but I think the point, one of the points that I was trying to make, and I put in there, in the piece that I wrote, it's on KSL. It's number one. I mean, it's setting records. I mean, not on, And... It screams to the family nature, family on three, family on three, that everybody from Utah's program who's declaring for the draft is still going to play in the game. And to me, that says volumes about it, but people miss that. I think, I think some Utah fans still have a small-time mentality. And we're picked on. You got to get past that, guys. That's You're not, not picked on. That's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and gonna, all I could think of, I was talking to my wife about it yesterday, is that, you know, they're back in the day when they were the second fiddle at maybe even third fiddle. I don't know what Utah State was doing, but second fiddle to BYU, and BYU was the dominant. And these people still remember that, even if they're uh, not young, uh, old enough to experience it, they know of it. And so any little form of criticism, I mean, your guy's son's on there. Can't you do anything positive about Utah? Yeah, go read and listen, my goodness gracious. I go overboard in praising the program. But any little thing, they get all excited And I I think it's just they're still striving for respect. Well, you don't need to strive for it anymore. You've got it. You've got it in spades. This is not a criticism of your program. And all your guys are going to play. So it screams even more they're doing it the right way.
0: Now, see, you're being me. You're being logical, but
2: that's not what it's about. But that was the point behind it. But you miss the point, and you take it as a slight to Utah. This is actually a praise to Utah, not a slight. Look at those guys over there, thinking of themselves. And I've got no problem with them thinking of themselves. But the point is, that's looking, thinking of themselves. Whereas your program, hey, man, we're going to go, and yeah, we're going to declare and go prepare after the game. Because we're all in. We're not in the way. That's a tribute. And they miss that. Small-time mentality. Got to get past that. You're big time now. You're as big time as it gets on this side of the country.
0: Well, it doesn't feel like it. Well, no! Nah, I mean, you're just being silly. <laughs> <laughs> I get a little bit of it. Because you're sitting there a couple years ago and you're getting ready to play in a Pac-12 title game and you're thinking there's a shot at the playoff. And Paul Feinbaum comes on and says, nobody wants to watch Utah. So you can say that you're as big time as it gets on this side of the country and there's truth to that. I mean, you can sit there and go over win-loss records and title game appearances and all that kind of stuff and there's and, and rankings, and you'll put a thing out about how many times they've been like, ranked in the, uh, in the college football committee's, uh, playoff committee's rankings. And, and so there's all these things that you could measure it by. But a lot of the people who set the tone for the national discussion aren't on this side of the country. And everything on this side of the country gets dismissed. So if you felt dismissed 30 years ago, and there's been this long climb, and you almost get to the top, and you get dismissed again, you're never going to let it go. I mean, you're just not.
2: Yeah, but that was two years ago. That's yeah. not now. That's not that. That that's the great thing about the Rose Bowl is you don't have to have a beauty pageant quality. That's why this is so awesome. It is the best thing in college football that you earn. You don't need somebody to appoint you to it. This isn't a judgeship here. This is something that you unilaterally, without question, qualify to earn. You don't need Paul Feinbob's opinion on this. It doesn't matter. You don't need who's ever on that committee. I don't know who's on that committee. I'd have to look it up. I'm sure I'm aware of their names once I went, but I don't remember them. And if I looked at them, I'm sure there, there might be a couple people that I don't know, but probably everybody, I uh, most of them, at least I know their background to one degree or another. But it's voted on. This isn't voted on. That's the beauty of it, that there's no vote involved. And it's not like the NCAA tournament where they have 60-some and they do vote, essentially. But once you get in, and, and Larry Christobek used to say this all the time, and I agree with him 100%. You know, you need some type of format, so they create this committee and they seed you but once the ball goes up the seeds don't matter it's just about the talent so you overcome the vote to get in right because there's so many of you that you get in and you play the game and the winner advances and the loser goes home so the seeding once the game starts is irrelevant well not in the college football seating is, there's only four of you, so getting in is the most significant thing. But it's somewhat of a beauty contest, and it's not really 100% fair. The SEC rarely plays road games, and they only play eight conference games, and they schedule the Citadel and Akron and, and so forth and so on, incarnate word before your big game so you can have a bye. I mean, they do it with the intent to get as many teams in, and they spend as much as possible to get as many teams in, right? Well, great. Good for them. But the Rose Bowl here, there's only one way to get in it, and that is to win your conference, and the Utes did that. So this isn't a beauty contest. That's another reason why it's so freaking special, is you don't need anybody's respect. All you got to do is win,
0: and they've done it, and now they're there. And if they beat Ohio State, where are you going to rank it? Final four, Fiesta Bowl, Sugar Bowl.
2: Well, if you want to go beyond football, that's fine, too. But I, I there, there, this would be nothing comparable. On the mountaintop. Yeah. And I don't care who's available, who isn't available for Ohio State. It has zero to do with Ohio State and those guys. Sucks for them. A few of their players opted out. But you're supposed to have one five-star after another. So go ahead. You got Marvin Harrison's son, who's a receiver, there. And uh, now is his time, man. Jump up there and get the ball caught. Throw it your way. Make some plays. This is your coming-out party the way if you want to look at it that way. And the Utes, they're going to finish it. I guess maybe I didn't emphasize that enough because I think it says a lot about their program that every last one of them, and there's several who have already declared, have said, yeah, and we're going to play in this game. Just like Tyler Algier did could have sat out the independence bowl the independence bowl who cares about that and it was played in a driving rainstorm it was miserable but no he went and finished it for those guys who don't want to finish it i support their right to do it 100 percent. but i want to praise the guys who do finish and he's a running back too every time he touches the ball he's going to get hit receivers can go out there and just sort of hell if it's a place to sweep left and you're on the right side you can go pick daisies. Jog up there, bump the guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there you go. Eh, right.
0: thanks. Eh. <laughs> right. And never mind all the times you run patterns; the ball's thrown the other side of the field, and you don't get hit.
2: Yeah. So you're rarely getting hit. That's why receivers are divas, right? But that you're one time you trenches. go across, that
0: one time you go across the middle, look
2: out. If uh, well, it's zone just... and you read man, look out. All right. Fine, and then you can sort of protect yourself and don't. But the running There's back, ways.
0: running yeah. backs are getting hit on almost every play. I suppose once in a while they go out on a pass pattern and the ball gets thrown somewhere else and they don't get hit. But between having a block, pick up defensive linemen, pick up blitzers, and then obviously when you run the ball, then you got the target on you. So,
2: Well, yeah, it's to the point where Algier had to take himself out against SC. Because <laughs> he was gassed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't the running back who was going to get seven yards, or excuse me, uh, seven carries a game. He was going to get his 20, 25 carries. He was going to hit a lot.
2: Right. And he took himself out because he was so tired. And he knew that the third team guy, McChesney, would be more fresh. And so he would be better able to help the team in that moment, which he did. He looked like he was a brand new guy who just got there. And everybody else had run 15 marathons. I mean, you could see it watching it on television. Well, this guy's got fresh legs. And everybody else was gassed. And this whole thing of, of, well, you didn't get to go to the title. Suppose they would have lost to somebody else, uh, say, Penn State. And because you already had the loss to Oregon, well, at that point, if you lose to Penn State, and that was a fairly close game, I think it was like 9 or 10, uh, and that was, uh, what, uh, late October, early November. Well, that eliminated you then too, right? You weren't going to get in with two. No big 10 teams going to get in with two. So should they have sat out those games? Right? Because you're you're out of the playoff hunt at that point. So where does this end as far as this goes? And if that that's what they choose, so be it. They have that have the right to choose that, but where does that they just so happened that they lost the second game uh, as the last game. but right. if had The second loss was the
0: 12th game. But if they yeah. had lost the second time in the game 6, seven, eight, whatever. Yeah. Do you sit out then? Nobody's done it yet, but I suppose they shouldn't rule it out because they see your logic, and at some point somebody else might see your logic because if you're really good and this is your apprenticeship or this is your minor leagues – you don't want to risk the big payday. So nobody's done it yet, but that doesn't mean somebody won't do it next year or in five years or whatever. The, the money is enormous. It is life-changing. And we know because players have told us that Jalen Johnson didn't pay. He, he was talking to us about, yeah, I was recruited by all these schools. and Oh, Oklahoma's undefeated. Don't you wish you, know, you could have been there on that? He says, nope. I want to go to the NFL. This place was going to prepare me for the NFL, and it is preparing me, so I'm real comfortable with what I've done. Paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. He wasn't there for the winning. I mean, you want to win because you're playing, but the real prize was be prepared for the NFL, and now he's playing in the NFL. So he had a goal. He picked a place that help him reach his goal, and now he's gotten to his goal. That's what yeah, we tell young people years. all the time. Yeah. You set oh, your yeah. goals. know know
2: what's important to you, so he did. And be
0: focused. Yeah.
2: And Jalen was, and he knew he was going to play three years because that was the point of which he becomes eligible. And away he's gone, and he's been starting for the Bears, and that's a great story too. So I hold nothing against these Ohio State guys who are doing what they're doing. I'm more about praising the Utes for doing what they're doing because that's pretty doggone cool.
0: Well, there are a lot of cool accomplishments, obviously, and, and we know that, we, you know, Final Four, Sugar Bowl, Fiesta, BCS Buster, all that stuff. But Chris says this would have to be number one, especially considering the adversity the team faced this year. And when you throw that in there, how can you argue? What they had to overcome, all those other teams had to overcome stuff, but they didn't have to overcome two teammates dying. And that was brutal. And I'm sure it continues to be brutal at some level. Uh, but to overcome that and do all this winning, incredible.
2: Yeah, the story is remarkable from that perspective. In my mind, I sort of separate the two. But if you don't want to separate the two, that's fine, too.
0: DJ and PK, more of your reaction coming up. And we've got Mike Brown, publisher of Extra Points, covering college football and college athletics. He's an Ohio State grad as well. So... Maybe he's got his heart in a little bit. He's definitely got his uh, his professional career in a little bit. We will talk with Matt coming up at twenty minutes. We'll talk Rose Bowl with him and Mike Smith, jazz studio analyst, at nine o'clock. Stay with us.
5: This
7: is Hanson Scotty let's do it. He covers Ohio State for The Athletic. Bill Landis. You know, there are people on the Michigan side questioning Ohio State's toughness, and, and one of their assistant coaches, I, I believe, said that Ohio State was, was kind of a soft, finesse team, and obviously that's never something you want to hear somebody say about your program. So I'm interested to see if there's carryover from that going into this Rose Bowl because we all know that, that Utah wants to play the same kind of way. They, they want to play a physical brand of football, and Ohio State just kind of got challenged a little bit by Michigan, and you know, I guess that can go one of two ways. They can just kind of roll over and kind of end the season and not, not worry much about putting up a fight. but I would say there's some pride in the line for Ohio State, too, because I don't think they want to go out in a fashion where it's, you know, back-to-back games where you're getting pushed around like that.
5: What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com DJ and PK, it's
0: 97.5 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Bill Barr, whether it's double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, cherry bar sear, salted caramel, enjoy Built Bar. 100% real chocolate, 100% real delicious. Order yours today at Bilt.com and save 10% off your order using the promo code ZONE at checkout. That's Built Bar. Question of the day, if the Utes win the Rose Bowl, where would it rank among the program's all-time accomplishments? Unfiltered Rhino says, first... Followed by the sugar and then the Fiesta. Neil, Rose Bowl one, Sugar Two, Fiesta three.
2: I think that I would put the Pac twelve title game a couple weeks back ahead of the Fiesta.
0: But behind the sugar?
2: I can do I can go with that since it was Nick Saban in Alabama, only his second year.
0: I looked up uh Trying to figure out how loaded that team was or wasn't. Four guys drafted that year, seven the next year. Which team? That Alabama team. So it had a lot of NFL guys on it, but not as many as it was going to.
2: Right, because they were just getting started.
0: Mm -hmm. He was going to ramp it up. Yeah. And now they're getting to a point where they'll have seven, eight, nine guys drafted consecutive
2: years. Oh, yeah, yeah, for so sure. If it would have been like year four or five of Nick, that would be something.
0: And they but didn't they were, have – they hadn't turned the program around. It was, it was a few years, actually, before you'd do it where he'd make it more quarterback dependent, open oh, yeah, it up yeah, yeah. more, you know, the, the quarterback. Well, John play. Parker
2: Wilson threw, threw for like 2,200 yards. Yeah. I mean, Bryce Young threw for 4,000-plus this year. That, Julio Jones was on that team. And he was and, open deep and got and, missed. <laughs> he did, he did not have a thousand yards receiving. No. They had multiple guys this year who had a thousand, thousand yards, yards receiving. receiving. They still had the thousand yard rusher, but they were far more tailback oriented. You can you can just see it. It's like looking at the advancement of the three point shot. Yeah, you it look is. at the number. Uh, D- Duncan Robinson for the Miami Heat took sixteen threes last night. Stockton in his second year didn't even take sixteen the whole season. And so you can just you can just track it looking at the numbers. Okay, here's when it, it's like the steroid era in baseball. Okay, here's when guys were really doing it. You just look at the numbers, and it, it just tells you. Just jumps right off the page. And with Nick Saban, you can see. Okay, here's when they he really had it going on, and then and, and they were off and running. I mean that was a very good team. I'm not going to discount that. And Utah Utah had a great team that year. Very much so. I mean they played. They did play two ranked teams in TCU and BYU, but it's like, oh, yeah, you're only ranked because you beat up on a bunch of dogs. Well, not that the Pac-12 is all that great, but, you know, you did hammer Oregon twice. And if you should beat Ohio State with or without these four dudes, I mean, if the quarterback took off, Maybe. But I don't think there's going to be any asterisk, yeah, but, if, if uh, the Utes win this ballgame. I, I, I really, I really don't. I don't. I don't see it at all.
0: All right, DJ PK, we got more on the Rose Bowl coming up. Matt Brown, publisher of Extra Points, covering college football and college athletics, is going to join us here in a few minutes. And we will talk with him about the Rose Bowl. He's coming up on the other side of this break. Stay with us. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Countdown to the Rose Bowl is on. Three more days, PK. It's almost here. Beautiful. The granddaddy. 60,000 U fans getting ready to roll in there and watch the Utes take on Ohio State. An Ohio State team that has had problems against the run. Utah ranked 13th nationally running the ball, Michigan 10th. Oregon 25th, and both those teams beat
2: Ohio State. And if you ask Matt about that, I'm going to pull my hair out.
0: Doesn't get, prepare for baldness, put on a ball cap, PK. Oh, I'm going to ask him. It's the path to victory. You think the Utes have a good chance to win this game, don't you? Sure. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Right. Why wouldn't they? Well, answer that question. Because the two teams that beat Ohio State run the ball like Utah runs the ball. So
2: what? I remember That's why Utah has a chance to run the, nah. win the game. Nah, beyond that, they, they run the ball no matter what. It's not about the defense. It's about the offense. Because if you sucked at running the ball, all of a sudden you're not going to be able to run the ball better, be, oh, very well enough to win because of the opponent. I don't, I don't buy that. You, you are a great running football team, irregardless of the competition. Either you can do it well or you can't. And Utah can do it well. This is the bread and butter, has been for many, many years. What difference does it make? Who's over there? If you're good enough, you're better than the other guy. And Utah, by and large, has been better than the other guy. This is what they do. So they couldn't do it against BYU. So by by your logic then, BYU would just roll over uh, Ohio State. And nobody sees that. I mean, you, 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 you get too bogged down with all this stuff. Stick to what you do well and see what happens. Worry about yourself. At least from the offensive perspective. And part of them, too, is Cam Rising. It seems like at least once a game, if not multiple times, he pulls something out of his you-know-what and creates a big play with his legs and he just has that ability to do that and you didn't see that coming because he's not overly fast. He's not big and strong. He doesn't have a big arm. I don't know what it is about this guy. All I know is he wins. You know, and if you look at well if you just go well look at the games that Utah lost. Well, you don't you just you look at the games of Ohio State lost, but you never say what about the games that Utah lost.
0: The D-line was getting bullied. The O-line was making massive mental mistakes. And Cam Rising played uh, one and a half of the three games they lost. Almost. He didn't come in at halftime against San Diego State, did he? A couple drives into the second half, I think.
2: Uh, Yeah, one or two. Yeah, Yeah, right. But if you just focus on that Orange State game, Utah has no chance. But yet that's not true.
0: DJ and PK, we're joined now by Matt Brown, publisher of Extra Points, covering college football and college athletics. He's an Ohio State grad, and he joins us right now on the Smart Rain Guest Line. Smart Rain's state of the art smart irrigation controller helps with first class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877 346 3333. Matt, good morning. Good morning. Thanks
6: for having me on, fellas.
0: Thanks for coming on. So are we getting the Ohio State grad who's got the pom-poms out and is rooting for the alma mater, or we've got the highly trained professional with his analytical eye for the sport?
6: Well, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm highly trained, but I, I will try to be a serious professional here. And like, I'll tell you this right up front. like, I think Utah's going to win this game. Why? Why? There's there's a, there's a couple of reasons for this. Like, I think even if both teams were at full strength, Utah matches up pretty well with Ohio State's weaknesses. And if there's one thing we've seen over the last two weeks, it's pretty clear that to this Utah program, this is the Super Bowl. And I don't mean that pejoratively, right? This is going to be a heavy Utah crowd. As far as I know, every significant playmaker is planning on being in this game. And for Ohio State, we saw this season with the number one um, you know, F plus adjusted offense, that offense isn't going to be in this game because Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, Ohio State's, you know, two of their three headed monster at wide receiver, they're not going to play. Ohio State's best offensive lineman, Nicholas Petit-Sierre, is not going to play. Ohio State's most consistent and probably best defensive tackle, Haskell Garrett, is not going to play. And that's not even saying anything about injuries or, or any COVID situation here. So then I, I, the way that Ohio State wins this game. Is by outscoring Utah and 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 uh, being so explosive that they can drop thirty five points and don't necessarily need to be efficient. And in order for that to happen, they're going to need some redshirt freshmen or people who who have never really seen consistent action at you know college football before to have monster games. And this is a really hard team and a really difficult environment uh, for for that to happen. So, like, I, I don't want to insinuate that. You know, this game would not be a meaningful achievement or not matter for Utah because they're not getting Ohio State at full strength. Like That narrative sucks. But when just looking at who's actually going to play, I think Utah matches up really well.
0: I think PK's threatened to pull out all of his hair if I ask you about uh, Ohio State's <laughs> inability to run the ball. Or excuse me, to stop the run. Stop the run. And we saw it against Oregon and we saw it against Michigan when you talk matchups, is that what you're talking about? That you think Utah going to run the ball because that's what they do, and Ohio State isn't going to be able to stop an, an uh, above average or elite running attack because, well, that's not what they do?
6: I, I, th- I think that's part of it. And, like, the, the Michigan and Oregon games, I think, were different because Ohio State's defense was punished in different, uh, different ways by, by that rushing attack. But, but certainly, like, this is not a championship caliber linebacking crew. And what we've seen out of Ohio State's defense when they're really good at these past couple of seasons is that they have some kind of five-star first-round draft pick, you know, outwardly um, pass rusher. You know, a, a real elite talent uh, at defensive end that can kind of single-handedly disrupt what a team wants to do. That, that Those are your Bosa brothers. That was your Chase Young. Ohio State may have that next year. Uh, they, they do have, I, I, I think they've signed three five-star you know, the pa- defensive ends in the past two recruiting classes, but they don't have one right now. Um, and they are beat up. Um, they, uh, beyond just Haskell Garrett, they, they've had a couple of their other guys injured or just haven't been at full strength uh, at defensive tackle. And if you can't get a great pass rush and you don't have championship caliber guys you know, up, up in the middle – and you don't have linebackers that can fill gaps or make reads uh, as quickly as you need to, then yeah, if if you run the ball well, you can get four, five, six yards of carry on this Ohio State defense. Now, you know it will be interesting to see whether Utah can throw the ball uh, as well as Oregon and Michigan and a couple other teams were able to do in that game. You know, Oregon had a better a better day throwing than they did against most Pac-12 teams, uh, in part because the, the running game made things open up so many opportunities for them, but. That's that. That's going to be a big challenge. Like I, I, think that Utah should be able to expect to dominate time of possession and to be able to, to shorten this game and make things a little bit more challenging for Ohio State's more explosive offense. And should be and the, the the yards on the ground will be there for them.
2: Yeah, I can I can buy all that. I mean that that makes complete and total sense. Uh, but I want to go back to something that you said. Uh, as far as potentially outscoring them. I mean, I realize Utah's defense usually is really good, but you just look at the scores of Ohio State, 59, 52, 66, 54, Nebraska, they only got twenty six. Purdue, which was ranked, they put fifty nine on them. We all remember that Michigan State thing. That was, But yeah. uh, it was late in uh, November, if I remember correctly, and it was perceived as a big game. And what was it forty nine nothing at halftime? It's like wow, yeah, They look they, like they on Alabama. They look like Alabama on steroids all of a sudden here. So I can't get that out of my mind. And thinking that all right, they are missing these guys that you say those are facts, but. They were still explosive. So if they didn't have those three guys, maybe they only led thirty-four to nothing at halftime against Michigan State. <laughs> it seems, still seems to me that they're potent offensively, with or without these they, guys.
6: They, they they are unquestionably potent. And and this is the thing about even if you're playing Ohio State's you know B-plus team on offense, where you're you're facing mostly underclassmen, all of those underclassmen are high four-star guys. Right. Uh, and and to a man, I think uh, you know when you look at Ohio State's skill position talent, they are all elite, elite speed, um, and, and th- that has w- that's what made this offense so terrifying and so explosive during the season is because they could take a guy, you know, Garrett Wilson would get a nine yards, you know, a nine yard slant and just outrun everybody and turn that into a forty five yard gain or a fifty four yard touchdown, um, and and Ohio State's running back Trevion Henderson, who I think is going to be uh, on most Heisman shortlists next year, because he's a true freshman and still ran for well over 1,000 yards. He's somebody where Utah's going to stop him for two yards, three yards, behind the line of scrimmage. He might be rushing for 1.8 yards to carry into the first quarter, and then he's going to take one for 60 yards. Because all of these guys have an, just an extra gear that is hard to match. And That was, even came up in, the, uh, in the, the Oregon game. It came up in the Michigan game a little bit. But if you want to look at what this Ohio State offense could look like without these guys, the Nebraska game is a good example because Garrett Wilson didn't play in that game. Um, Chris Olave did, and Olave is more of a uh, vertical, you know, straight downfield burner kind of guy. He's not really a slant receiver. He's not someone who's going to get 11 catches. And Ohio State's offense stalled a little bit because they weren't able to um, be schedule and found themselves facing thirds and third and seven third and eight third and nine and even if Utah puts Ohio State in that position throughout the game Ohio State's going to convert some stuff just because they've got dudes and those dudes might be Marvin Jar- Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, that might be Julian Fleming. These are our high four-star five-star underclassmen wide receivers who are going to see some more time might be G Scott uh, West Coast guy who is a five-star recruit He's going to be playing a little bit more in this game um, but that's that's going to happen. Uh, but I think w- when you're missing those, you know, not just a, deep, a big play guy, but also your safety blanket who's going to get eight, nine, ten catches a game in, in Garrett Wilson, you aren't going to be able to get the four or five, six yards of uh, play that you would need to, to, uh, to, be, more, to be more efficient. You're, it's it's going to be kind of an all or nothing more sort of thing. I think Ohio State's still going to score 28 points. Um, but that might not be enough if they don't get enough possessions. Their path to win here, I think, is winning, like, scoring 45. It's not a team that I think can win this game 20-7. to 7.
0: Well, certainly Ohio State averaged 45 points a game, so you can't throw that out there. But I was going to ask you about the Nebraska game, because Nebraska went 1-8 in the Big Ten. And Nebraska yep. held them to 26 points. Now, Penn State went 4-5 and five in the Big Ten. That was not a great Penn State team. I know they were ranked when they played Ohio State. The brand names demand that that game be pumped up. That was a 33-24 game, which might be how Ohio State tries to win this game. What did Penn State do to hold Ohio State to 33 points? Because it sounds funny to hold someone to 33, but that is 12 points <laughs> below their average. And Ohio State had at least a half dozen games. They scored 50 points this year. So how did they hold yeah. them to 33?
6: Um, So, one of the big problems, and and I I realize it's kind of weird saying this for a team that averaged 45 points a game, but uh, particularly during the last half of the year, Ohio State really wasn't very good in the red zone on offense. Um, And they're going to get in the red zone because they get yards on just about everybody, even when they are not at full strength. But that Penn State game, if you watched it, it was not difficult to imagine Ohio State scoring 51, right? Penn State turned the ball over three times, um, and Ohio State just couldn't get out of their own way. They converted, I want to say, less than a third of their third-down conversions. They were constantly put behind schedule. They had ten penalties, uh, several of them particularly costly, and they didn't convert in the the red zone. You know, Treyon Henderson had 152 yards and a touchdown, but it took him almost 30 carries to get there. Uh, and, uh, I think most of those yards were on three or four carries. So it was a lot of, you know, um, first and ten, second and eight, third and seven, send the house. Um, and the and, and, uh, Penn State just, um, just could not convert well enough on offense. And, and, that, and Sean Clifford played like the game of his life in that game uh, to, to make it close. So that, that's that's the way to beat Ohio State. You're not going to shut Ohio State out. You're 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 not going to hold them to 200 yards. Um, you're probably not going to make C.J. Stroud throw three interceptions. You might be able to get him to throw one, but he's he's a, he's a pretty accurate guy. Um, the the trick is to bend and don't break, right? and and make make Henderson be very inefficient. Make Ohio State kind of forget about him, which they do sometimes, much to Ohio State uh, fans' chagrin. <laughs> well, you know, given that Ohio State's DNA is to be. A little bit more like this, like Utah has been over the past couple of years, and this is a little bit closer to a a Big Twelve kind of team, um, or maybe an NFL kind of team, in that they, they want to throw the ball probably two or three times more than they're actually going to run it. Um, and if you some of those one-on-one matchups, you can hold them to twenty-eight points.
2: What's the mood among Ohio State fans as far as just their? Uh... What what can I look for? What can I say? The anticipation because in in our community it's off the charts. The youths are going to the Rose yeah. Bowl it's the first time, and we get that this isn't the playoff, but still it's the Rose Bowl. And, and is it sort of a blasé uh, attitude for, among Ohio State fans? The
6: vibes in Columbus could not be worse right now. Like I I don't think we could overstate how significant this dichotomy is between one program that not only wants to be there but recognizes that this is potentially a transformational like game for their program when you were in the mountain west or when you were going through the wilderness of the 80s and the rose bowl represents like this totem of everything that your program is structurally uh, incapable of achieving and now you finally climb that mountain and you've gotten there and You can, you know, I I think in in this market, if you want to, you know, criticize Ohio State fans and that program for being spoiled, I think that's completely fair. But this was a team that came into the season with playoff aspirations. And not only did they fail to meet that goal, but then they, they failed to meet that goal because they lost to their arch rival. And they didn't just lose their arch rival, but they lost in their arch rival in the most humiliating way to Ohio State fans possible, which is Michigan physically stuffed them in a locker and took their lunch money. Like it would be one thing if there was a blocked punt or someone threw for 500 yards, but they got out woody Hayes. Um And that is like structurally concerning. I, I think to a lot of Ohio State fans, like there's, there's a reason. You're seeing a lot of people opt out. Um, there's a reason Ohio State is returning tickets, which is almost never happens given how national this fan base is and how many West Coast Ohio State fans there are. They, uh, the the young players are going to be very motivated uh, to, to show out here because playing time is going to be premium, and you want to get the bad taste of Michigan out of, out of their mouth. But this is going to be a home game for Utah. And I don't think you can completely understate that when it's the third quarter and people are beat up and they're hurt and they're angry. It, it's not hard to imagine that the guys in Salt Lake want this experience more than the people in Columbus do.
0: So I'm I'm curious about the, especially the young receivers that you mentioned earlier, who are going to be stepping in for the guys who opted out, because everyone knows Ohio State recruits high end talent. Everybody's gifted, or you wouldn't be on Ohio State's roster. You wouldn't have a
6: scholarship yeah. there. But especially at especially at wide receiver, <laughs> maybe more so than any other position.
0: Okay, but. We all know college coaches like to schedule a couple of money games, get the bugs out, let guys get the nerves out, and then they can really take off and, and achieve to the level of their, of their spectacular talent. But we also know there are guys who are chomping at the bit who are like, if you give me one chance, my, if I get my foot in the door, it's over. I'm taking over. And so I'm curious with the receivers who are likely to get more snaps, get to run more routes, and get targeted more by the quarterback. Are they gonna? Do they need time to warm up? Time that they don't have, or are they gonna seize that first chance, blow by somebody, cut back on somebody else, and end up in the end zone?
6: I mean, the latter is possible. Like everybody has that, right? And. I mean, it has that potential. They did it in high school. They've done it in practice. There's, there's a reason that they're in a position to, to play here. But then you're – I know that this doesn't make compelling radio, but you're, you're, we're, we're, both of us are sitting here trying to make definitive statements about 19-, and 20-year-olds. And even if they're not football players, you and I and God and everybody in this market knows that 19- and 20-year-olds are not the most consistent, reliable, stable people under the best of circumstances. And when you put them in a situation where there's 70,000 people screaming and it's very emotionally charged and uh, a tenth of a second hesitation in either direction means a different result for the play, you can't really predict it. So, yeah, it is possible that, that this could be a game here where Julian Fleming, who was, I want to say, the top wide receiver recruit in this class, he was injured a little bit, and that's why he fell down in the rotation. He shows everybody why he was a uh, projected to be a first round NFL talent and goes for eight catches for 145 yards and two touchdowns. That that could happen, but if they haven't had the same number of reps that uh, you know that um, CJ Stroud has had with the, with his ones, and they they feel like the moment's a little bit too big for them, and maybe Ohio State's offensive line isn't quite where it was you know three weeks ago, and pass protection's a little bit off. It, it, it could be a very different thing. So you know, I look at this and think, as the totality of all the other you know, factors of this game makes me think, I think I like Utah. Utah chances better. But is there a possibility that Ohio State still throws for 406 yards? Yeah, like they, they have the dudes to do that, and that's just what happens when you play Ohio State.
2: Obviously, the better the player, the easier job it is to coach. And one of the hallmarks of Kyle Whittington. Whittingham's staff is he doesn't have a ton of four- and five-star guys, but they identify them early, maybe switch positions, coach them up, and away they go, and they send off plenty of guys to the NFL. My thought for you is what is your confidence level in the coaching staff being able to overcome whatever it might be, deficiency with guys sitting out or injury or whatever it is, to be able to come up and figure out a game plan and use some coaching expertise to be a factor in this game?
6: That's a, that's a great question. And I don't think it would be Homer-ish to say that I would like – I think Utah has an advantage in this department heading into this game. You know, p- part of it is Ohio State staff was already in turmoil a little bit. They just hired a new defensive coordinator from uh, Oregon State who will not be on staff for this game. Um, and that means that one of Ohio State's assistants – and which one yet is not going to be is not going to have a job, you know, in a week and a half because you can't have you can't have that many. Ohio State uh, demoted their defensive coordinator after week three, and there's been a, a lot of confusion about who should be doing what on this defensive staff. I, I would imagine there's going to be multiple personnel changes there. I think Ryan Day is a really good coach. I think he's particularly a really good offensive coach, not just a really good recruiter, but a, a very creative schematic person. He was, you know, he came out of the the Chip Kelly when that meant something um, and I, I would expect Ohio state's offense to still perform you know, well. I can, again, it's, it's hard for me to imagine them, you know, go, putting up 181 yards on one touchdown. I think they're going to be able to score points, but um, I know I've told everybody this nationally that uh, there's, I, there's not many coaches right now that have a better track record of uh, performing in bowl games and maximizing the talent that they have and maximizing their identity than then winning him. And with all of the outside whispers that hey, this might be his last game or we don't know what, what Utah's going to be doing after this or you know, to, or to instill within this team how much this particular game matters and how they need to execute, yeah, I, I, I would feel pretty comfortable that, that even if Utah loses, they're going to still be able to do what Utah wants to do or needs to do to win this game. If they lose, it's because... I think it's because they got out-talented, and that happens sometimes when you when you have when you face a team that has better players and also have a competent coach. Like it's not a USC kind of situation, um, but I don't think it will be because Utah is completely flummoxed and unable to 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 kind of impose what they want to do for this football game.
0: Well, Matt, we will leave it right there. We appreciate you coming on, sharing all your uh, your expertise, and and that felt less like Ohio State pom poms and more like you know a guy who makes his <laughs> living doing this.
6: Yeah, yeah, I I try to, I try try to do that. Um, You know, most of the time these days, I'm writing about stuff that happens off the field. And uh, you know, what, what, you know, if if a Utah fan is interested in the kind of force to make their athletic department tick, um, you might enjoy Extra Points, which you can find at extrapointsmb.com.
0: There it is, Matt. We appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us.
6: Yep, no problem, fellas. Do well. I'll talk to y'all later.
0: Matt Brown, publisher of Extra Points, covering college football and college athletics. And, yes, he is an Ohio State grad. So, PK, a little turmoil on the defensive coaching staff on top of everything else.
2: Well, we knew that the situation there was uh, very much uh, uh, an issue. with. I follow Ohio State. I think all of us do to one degree or another. And we knew about them changing and demoting yeah. and having other guys call the plays and all that stuff. The th- the thing about it, the, the, the standard for Ohio State is really unrealistic. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's like win a every statewide game. crisis if you lose a game. Yeah, it or, really is. Not even beyond uh, into the region, into Kentucky. Because obviously, Cincinnati's right there with Kentucky. And it's, it's such a big, big deal. And that's the level that this program is on, which is why, for me, Whether these guys play or not, this program is is top two or three annually. Its reputation is is and it's not unprecedented, but it's right there with anybody else's. And so, if you beat these guys, man, that's why I wanted Ohio State to be in this game because you got this opportunity to beat Ohio State beat Alabama. Yeah, you only play them once, but so what? They only play you once. <laughs> and you get this opportunity to beat them. That's why I think this thing would just be so friggin' cool. Yes, I believe these guys are tainting the prestige of the Rose Bowl. I think it's a bad precedent. I'm with Her Kirk Herb Street. I mean a lot of these people come after me. I'm just some schmo in Salt Lake. Yeah. Basically all I did was quote her quote kirk Herbstreet, who's only like five trillion times bigger than i'll ever be and he's saying the same thing come after me i get it it's easy to do well i'm only echoing what herb said but nevertheless if utah wins no apologies no excuses no asterisks they won the game
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Thanks to Matt Brown for coming on, and if you just joined us at the end of that interview, well, you can listen to it wherever, and he made a lot of good points early on. He knows Ohio State inside and out as an Ohio State grad, and he thinks Utah is going to win the game. If you want to hear that, wherever you get podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, on down the list, wherever you get your your podcast you can find a DJ and PK with Matt Brown all right DJ and PK Mike Smith is coming up at the top of the hour the Jazz are in Portland playing the shorthanded Blazers tonight we'll get to that with Mike at nine o'clock stay with us
5: this
7: is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. He covers Ohio State for the Athletic. Bill Landis. You know there are people on the Michigan side questioning Ohio State's toughness, and, and one of their assistant coaches, I, I believe, said that Ohio State was was kind of a soft finesse team. And obviously, that's never something you want to hear somebody say about your program. So I'm interested to see if there's carryover from that going into this Rose Bowl, because we all know that, that Utah wants to play the same kind of way. They they want to play a physical brand of football, and Ohio State just kind of got challenged a little bit by Michigan. And you know, I guess that can go one of two ways. They can just kind of roll over and kind of end the season and not, not worry much about putting up a fight. but I would say there's some pride in the line for Ohio State, too, because I don't think they want to go out in a fashion where it's, you know, back-to-back games where you're getting pushed around like that.
5: What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com Yeah. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at
0: 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The fifth annual Black Friday sale has been extended through December at Davis Vision. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save 1400 bucks. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Yeah. Yeah, what?
2: Yeah. Yeah, give Davis yeah. Vision a call, man. Yeah. I am a living example of Davis vision and the tremendous work that they do. Just look at me. Look at the gleam in my eye. Um, Go ahead. Just look nah. at me. I'm a beautiful because of Davis vision. <laughs> Yuck, when
0: are we doing the win tickets Wednesday? When do people need to listen for that? Today. Today, yes. Good job, PK. Thanks, Cam. <laughs> we'll do it next segment. All right, next segment for Win Tickets Wednesday. we got tickets to see uh, comedian Whitney Cummings. We'll be giving those away coming up in the next segment.
2: Whitney Cummings?
0: Yes, headed to Kingsbury Hall. Yeah. We just had Matt Brown on, publisher of Extra Points of PK. You know, if a local guy says it, then you're just a homer and you're trying to suck up, and the Lego movie will sing a song about you. But he's not a local guy, and he just came on and gave a whole list of reasons Why, the youths are going to win the Rose Bowl.
2: Okay, but you can argue it's defense mechanism there. So, see, I took, like, you did that one year. The Devils won 10 games. See, they're (laughs) going to win. So you didn't want me to brag. Like, I brag, but. (laughs) Go ahead and brag. If you win the Rose Bowl, you get to brag. Right. And so you soften the blow. I mean, we do with the jazz people all the time. They just come up with reasons why, well, what do you expect? No, they didn't underachieve. It was almost impossible for them to do it. So you can make that argument that that's part of the deal too, whatever you want to do. I don't know Matt Brown personally, so I'll take him at his word. I thought he was very objective, but you can argue that, well, sure, You say you're going to lose, so then this way when it happens, well, see, I told you we didn't have our guys and where our program was in a state of flux and blah, 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 blah. I actually think Ohio State's going to come out with a tremendous effort because they're not going to want to lose their final two games. You lose your final two games in Columbus, oh, my gosh. That's like the world ending, and that just doesn't happen. When's the last time they had a two-game losing streak? I mean that that might be something to to look up uh, forever and ever. When when they they literally had a two game losing streak, I that mean, I think they had the uh, the one year before Urban or something, uh, maybe. But that that's going way back. That is going so, way back. Yeah, to me, I think they're going to be gangbusters and be ready to go. And the guys who are there, they're going to be all in. Because if they didn't want to be all in, they would leave. And they got so many underclassmen that you know that haven't made their mark yet, but want to play in the NFL. And it will be fully motivated. Yeah, a huge what better way them. to have a breakout game in the Rose Bowl? You know, this is the next best thing to the playoff. And according to Herb Street, the ratings are going to be the same as the semifinals games because it's such a big deal. Everybody knows of the Rose Bowl and the tradition. And I've been down there a ton now. When both BYU and Utah have played in the Rose Bowl. And you could just see the the fan excitement. We're at the Rose Bowl. It's not the actual Rose Bowl game, but it's the site, it's the venue. And they have that Rose Bowl thing on the on the outside of the stadium. Everybody takes their picture there. <laughs>
0: that is so true. <laughs> the, the jazz note has a lot of pictures taken, but yeah. the record's gotta be held by that sign may i don't know is it in front of yankee stadium is there something that yeah take their is, picture? But, but it's
2: higher up yeah that's the great thing about the rose bowl is it's a bowl as opposed to a big stadium mm-hmm. so even if you're at the top you're not, you're not, not way the heck up there right. because it's dug into a bowl and so it goes more of a gradual incline as opposed mm-hmm. to a steep uphill and so, you know, Yankee Stadium and whatnot, you, you, you can't be – the, the pitcher isn't nearly as good. But everybody takes their pitcher on that. And for these kids, too, from Ohio, you know, they have a fair amount of kids from all over the country for sure. But I wonder how many of them been there. And then you're going to play in this game. So whoever's available, Joe Blow from Idaho, I don't care who it is, you're going to get that young man's best effort, I believe. And with that in mind, that's why in my mind there's zero – Asterix, yeah, what if, blah, blah, blah. None of that. None of that applies because the kids that are going to be there in uni, they're going to be jacked. And you'll see it when they come out for the first one, when it's the official team coming out, you know, as opposed to the special teams will come out and then the linebacking core will come out and then the DBs, you know, this is before, uh, the official warm-up time, you know what I mean? And so they come out in in different groups. But when they all come out together and the game is 10 minutes away or whatever it is, the excitement in that stadium is going to be, what's that word, palpable? Something like that? Palpable. Palpable. Palpable, yeah, fancy word. And I believe you'll feel it. And to me, I've been there for the actual Rose Bowl, And I've been there for games played in the Rose Bowl many, many times over because I happen to have worked down there for 10 years. Right. So with that in mind, you can feel the difference because I've been there. I've experienced that when it's the actual Rose Bowl versus a regular season game played in the Rose Bowl. And the Utes will feel that, too. And I believe Ohio State, I don't know how many of their kids have actually been in that venue, but they'll feel it. So that's why these kids sitting out, so be it. But it has, in my mind, no bearing on anything. Who plays better That particular day, and you can analyze this and that, well, this team's good against the run, and they have the strengths and the other team's weaknesses, and so they should be an advantage. But I go back to what Bronco Mendenhall said. We analyze these games a thousand (laughs) times over, and then I get out there on the sidelines, and everything I think that was going to happen doesn't. Doesn't happen. And it's something completely else. That's why I love covering Bronco, because he was so introspective, and he was willing to share stuff with you. And you you prepare for the game and you think you know everything about it and you're ready to go and you spend hours, hours that week and probably in the summer and so forth and so on as far as that game. And then you get out there and it's nothing like you expected. So who knows, especially in football, you throw in a couple of turnovers here and there, a block punt or a kickoff return, which Utah has been susceptible to. How about this time? They get a kickoff return. They get a block punt. You know what I mean? We've seen it a thousand times that things happen that we didn't anticipate. So that's why it doesn't matter to me who's not available on the other side. Football is the ultimate team game, and we're taking out four players. Now, I don't discount the four players because it's hard to judge on uh, offensive linemen, their stats, so to speak, yeah. but it, clearly you can see the receivers. Wow, 2,000 yards, well, one, but Alave was just but short. Between
0: the two of them, they had 2,000.
2: Right, and, and, and Alave's the uh, all-time career leader in touchdown receptions. So, yeah, that jumps off the page. But suppose they were injured. You know? The Utes aren't getting credit. They beat a bunch of backup quarterbacks. Well, they're not, not, not getting credit. They're, getting, they're not getting knocked. They played the Bruins without their quarterback. Well, that was an easy freaking win. And for that matter, they played Arizona with the third-team quarterback. They played Washington State without their top quarterback and for most of the game without their top running back. Are we saying, well, they shouldn't be there? Right? No, no one's saying that. And obviously the Utes have had injuries on their side. So it's sort of like it's an injury type of deal. Unless it gets a situation where between now and game time and 22 kids can't play because of COVID, but they tell you, yeah, come a, on, guys. That's a different game. the Rose Bowl. We still got to get in there. We got to play.
0: I do wonder if, uh, and we see this in, in the NBA, well, we just saw it with the Jazz most recently, and we've seen it with teams coming through town to play the Jazz. You miss a guy, and it's like it heightens everybody else's senses. You know, okay, we got to be really good because we don't have so and so. And in the short run, you can do it. Now, in the long run, when you lose the talent, eventually it gets you. But in the short run, are the guys who really want to get a chance going to step in and play? And will everybody else play a little better because they know the lineman next to them is out?
2: Well, a football game is the short run, right?
0: Yeah, one game, as opposed to having to go through half a season without somebody.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you have to go back. and We make such a big deal of recruiting. It's the lifeblood, blah, 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 which it is, obviously. It is. And you can't tell me that these kids that Ohio State has on their roster don't have just as many high school stars and decorations behind or in front of their name. Now, they don't have it at the collegiate level yet. We understand that. But at one point, Olave didn't didn't have it it at the collegiate level, right? So the
0: question is, do these – Guys need a a game or two to get up to speed, which is why coaches want those money games at the start of the season, and they don't want to play a big conference game early if they can help it. Or are they literally going to be ready when they step in, and they'll grab their chance, and away they'll go. You brought up Ohio State back-to-back losses. Uh, 2013, they lost to Michigan State in the conference title game, and then they lost to Clemson in the playoff in the Discover Orange Bowl. So there you go. That's the last back-to-back. And 2012 was Urban's first year, and they were undefeated. 2011 was the year where they were a 500 team, and it was a mess, and they were getting ready for Urban. And that year they had a – but you got to – they really – they have not had a three-loss season since that 2011 season when they were a mess and
2: lost their last four games. See, that's why I play this game as bigger than beating Alabama – because Alabama hadn't had a three-loss season since the year before. <laughs> right. When <laughs> they, they didn't know they dudes. were supposed to be
0: invincible. And you right. wonder, even just even this Alabama season, and reading a bunch of stuff leading up to the playoff, they've come so close to losing so many games. If they didn't have that uh, R of invincibility and intimidate people coming out of the tunnel, would they have lost some of these 4-5-1 or score games that they've eked out? And then by the end of the year you coach them up and they're finally good and they come up with a phenomenal game against Georgia and they look great. But they were so vulnerable so many times along the way and they only slipped up that one time at AM. On the road, 100,000 people early in the year and guys weren't quite ready for that moment.
2: Yeah, so be it. Then I put a house state right there at this level. This this is a no-excuse ball game. If anybody took what I wrote as an excuse, well, I got yeah. one thing to say to you. You're <laughs> people, an idiot. You're an people, idiot.
0: People it, it's it, and it's also uh, when you get into comments and stuff like that, it only takes one or two people to skew the discussion. And right. So, the question uh, the question we had yesterday on Twitter, it went nuts. You poked the bear, you deserve this. The exact same question, literally copy and pasted on Facebook, didn't generate any of that. Nobody took it in that direction. On Facebook, it was like, eh, sad isn't the right word. It was, or, or I don't care who they run out there. Nothing's going to wreck this moment. Man, if they win, this is my team and this is going to be the best. And there was none of the whiny victimhood. People just took it as a question and answered the question.
2: Well, it has nothing to do with Utah. It's the fact that it's the Rose Bowl and these guys with their decisions. Are denting the prestige of the Rose Bowl. It could have been any team in there. Well, I think the Utah's bigger picture... irrelevant yeah. to the discussion in I, this case. I
0: think both teams are irrelevant to the discussion. I think it goes back to what is best... For college football, not for any one player, not for any one coach, not for any one school, not even for a conference. What is best for college football? The Rose Bowl has been great for college football. Whether the game has been close or it's been a blowout, it has romanticized it, it has popularized it, and it's not the only thing, but it has been, it is a brand that is part of the game that is great for the game. So anything that doesn't lift up this brand that everyone's benefited from. I mean, the Utes, even before they were in the Pac-12, it was still the dream. Get in the, get in the what was then the Pac-10 and get to the Rose Bowl. Arizona State did it. It could happen again, and now it's literally happened. But even when Utah wasn't in the Pac-12, it was part of the dream that motivated people. And you can talk to all the people who worked in the Utah Athletic Department at that, at that time. And Chris Hill would say, yes, we want it to happen, but we can't control it. We have to be invited, so we have to be good. Be the best at whatever you do. That Amen. brand is so powerful and has been so good for the industry that this it's sucks. And best. I think that's what is Kirk Herbstreet was reacting to.
2: Yeah, so I accept your apology. <laughs> <laughs> All you, you fans. Okay. Have got on me. Coming up,
0: Mike Smith, Utah Jazz Studio Analyst for ATT Sportsnet. Jazz and the Blazers tonight. We're talking to Mike in 20 minutes. Stay with us. To win tickets Wednesday, at 12 right now wins two tickets to see comedian Whitney Cummings, the reigning queen of American stand-up comedy, at Kingsbury Hall on January 8th for her Touch Me Tour. Great seats still available at www.ticketmaster.com. It's brought to you by LiveNation.com.
2: Whitney Cummings, January 8th, Kingsbury Hall. Whitney Cummings, and she's uh, I guess one of us, one of you guys put out something, That you can win tickets this morning and tagged uh, me and you. And she just liked the tweet. This is like when Donny Osmond followed, followed me on Twitter. Mark it down. Big day for PK right there. I mean, it's nothing for you because you're a celebrity and award winner, but I'm a nobody trying <laughs> to try survive over here. You know, you're the big-time dude, the Hall of Famer, the award winner, flying on planes with the Huntsman's and, you know, you know Spence Eccles and all this stuff. I'm just a nobody over here. <laughs> uh, I mean, Britton Covey says, thank you, David, when both of us are standing right there. And we're interviewing him together. I'm holding the mic, and he looks at you and says, thank you, David. And I'm standing right there. I am right there. And he says, thank you, David, as if I don't even exist. He has no clue who I am. But yet, I mean, everybody knows you.
0: I'm going to have. So, yeah,
2: I'm going to have to thank Britain for that. (laughs) Being uh, highlighted and liked in a tweet by Whitney Cummings is nothing to you. Where for me, I've already told three family members.
0: I'm sure your sisters were very happy to get that news. Big text from PK.
2: Well, I'm, yeah, but I'm, I haven't even begun to tell you how many friends back from the Daily Breeze days that I've told. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, David. Yeah, what, what, what about me? Uh-huh. Who? Huh? I got to go. We were
0: discussing uh, the Rose Bowl with uh, Matt Brown. He hit on a lot of the. The motivations and uh, different angles to this game. And the Columbus Dispatch has another guy with another level of motivation for this game. We've got a story with uh, Tavian Thomas about how he was unable to sign with Ohio State as a freshman. Urban recruited him, recruited him hard. And then the last thing, they backed off. And it was because uh, academics, they wanted him to go to a junior college. They were afraid the school wasn't going to let him in. And then uh, ultimately, Urban goes and gets other running backs. And he ends up at Cincinnati. And uh, he says, that was really kind of hard for me. When they said that, I'm like, man, am I not worthy enough? I had doubts in my, man, my, my mind and stuff like that. And now he wants to show them what they missed out on.
2: Yeah, that's great.
0: A little extra motivation. You love that kind of stuff. He refers uh, to Thomas, it now as a love. Yeah, Thomas says, I have a love-hate relationship with Ohio State.
2: Well, I mean, it's an academic thing and the guy had a troubled background. I think that's to me that's way more than anything on football. If you want to make a difference in people's lives, that that's where we got to go. That and that and all this social stuff that's been going on. That's ground level stuff. Good for him. He's had the football ability and the ability to stay through it, but there's millions of guys, I don't know, millions maybe, but many cases where they don't have the football ability. And how do those people recover from being dealt devastating circumstances. That's where we need to make a difference. We can put all the signs in our yards that we want. And that's great. But make a difference at the ground level. Unfortunately for Thomas, he's got the athletic ability to where several people took a chance on him. But would anybody take a chance on him if he didn't have the athletic ability? No, he'd be cast aside. So if you want to get into that, that's a much bigger thing. But if you want to play for football for motivation, if he's using it, I don't know that Ohio State disrespected him. I just don't know that they could have he allowed him to get into college.
0: Yeah, he doesn't paint his disrespect. Actually, he talks uh, very highly about the uh, running back's coach he built a relationship with, Tony Alford. He said, what I liked is Coach Alford was a straightforward guy, and I respect that. I want to play for a coach that's straightforward. They ain't going to sugarcoat anything. And he wasn't just talking football. Right. So, right. all of that, that's where he gets into the love-hate. There were a lot of things he loved, but uh, it goes back to what you were saying about if you haven't been to Columbus or know people who've gone to Ohio State, Utah football's a big deal, and BYU football's a big deal, and the fans really care, but there's something about Ohio State, it goes to a whole nother level, and so for him to feel that and be that close to going to Ohio State and then not going, uh, that's a big deal, it's...
2: It's it's yeah, a I gotta big deal for any kid back in that area. Right, to be a dream to go there. It's Ex- like playing for the Cowboys or something.
0: Yeah, exactly. Up in and, Texas, and he's so close. And uh, and then to your point about his football ability, Andy Ludwig is quoted in this story. Quote: This is this is Andy like so just like straightforward, not flashy, but <laughs> saying it all very quickly. His yeah. presence was a big catalyst to this offense taking a jump about halfway through the season. Oh, certainly. We all saw. my play calling. Turns into genius-level stuff when he's the guy carrying the ball.
2: (laughs) He's not saying it, but that's what he means. Well, Utah put him in a position to utilize his talents, and it's a great story. I love the story. Uh, We all love the story. Another underdog kid, although he's got enormous talent and I hadn't heard of him until training camp, and then the third day in, they start talking about him, and they keep talking about him, and they, okay, I'm stupid, but if you keep telling me something 20 times over, eventually I'm going to catch on, which is what I did there, as far as that goes, yeah. he had the fumble issues, but he solved them, and he's had a big-time season, and he looks like he's another running back from Utah who's going to go in the NFL. Yes,
0: and the thing that really tipped it off was about... Uh... <sighs> late September, uh, Kyle's at a press conference, and, and you write about all the stuff with Thomas and talking about him, and then you see him, and he's like, you know, straight out of central casting. He looks like a big-time running back. out of look. But he has the fumble issues, and Kyle says, we've got to find a way to get him going. And I remember thinking he must be lights-out awesome because Kyle will drop a running back who fumbles like a hot potato. Man, that guy's done. You fumble the ball, that's like the one thing you can't do. You can't, Kyle just, he preached turnovers over and over. So for as many times as Tavia and Thomas dropped the ball, and there were a couple of times he lost it and he was ruled down and still went over to the sideline and you could tell he wasn't feeling good and you tell the coaches were mad. But for Kyle to sit in there, we got to find a way to get him going. It's like, well, he must just be lights-out. Because Kyle's would like, not at all upset, and he's thinking, if he needs a third chance, and he gets a third chance because we've got to get him the ball.
2: Well, again, he keeps getting chances because of his athletic ability. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, that's the way of the world.
0: Ludwig says, I think a big red light went on, and Taven said, I'm going to get this fixed or else I'm not going to play. He wants to play. He wants to be an impact player in this program. He identified the issue, and he got the issue corrected.
2: Well, hold nope. on to the ball. doesn't seem like it's an issue <laughs> yeah, to be corrected.
0: It's like, yeah, Andy didn't want to use that word or those phrases and plant something in his mind right before the Rose Bowl. So he goes with the issue.
2: Just pay attention and focus on it, and I think that that ought to cover it. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. A couple of fumbles in games at Weber State, he fumbled. All right. If you're going to fumble, fumble in Weber State's game (laughs) because you're going to win that game with or without that fumble. You know what I mean? So to me... That, that's the time to have your fumbles in, in a game like that. I didn't know he'd be this good, but nevertheless, he, he has been. And then you read about his background, and you see, okay, yeah, they knew. And he's on the other side of the country, so I didn't know about him. And now he, he's blown up, and I suspect he'll go over 100 yards and probably score a couple of touchdowns <laughs> because that's pretty much been the way it's been going. And, and it's great to have that, when you, especially when you get down in the red zone and it's harder to move the football to know that, I mean, you basically have a touchdown machine here. That That's really good news, and you're finishing drives with touchdowns. You don't want to finish drives with field goals. Obviously, you take field goals over no points, but the, the goal and the idea is to get touchdowns, and he's been putting that ball in the end zone. So it's another story of, I don't want to say he's under-recruited, because he's, he wasn't under-recruited. He certainly wasn't under-recruited, but Utah has had success with guys who've had issues. And they come to Utah for whatever reason. And I know some BYU fans like to like, oh, yeah, he just takes a bunch of outlaws and all that stuff. But and they don't want to give the family on three stuff. But there's something there. There is something there to it that has allowed Utah to take some troubled kids and get themselves right. And don't we want that? Isn't that something that we would all look forward to? That'd be a positive, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. If oh, you got somebody... is he going down the wrong road? No, no, yeah. he's
0: not. All right. I think we should all be happy about that.
2: Right. Yeah. 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 So and if you have the athletic ability, good on you. Yeah. I just worry about so many of the kids who don't have the athletic ability. Where do they go? And where is their second who's, chance? Who steps and in and is, helps them? Yeah, them and, who's mentoring right. them? Yeah, right? because right. there's so, and that's an issue in this country that leads to some of the problems that we end up having in the first place. And if we can eliminate them at the ground level, maybe we'd be better off for all of us down the line. But that's just me preaching and probably up in the night dreaming, wishing that that's the way it would be for everybody.
0: Well, I definitely saw my nephew ride the roller coaster. He got he got dealt a tough hand and. uh You know, now he's older and he's getting to a good place, but it has not been an easy road. And there are a lot of people who have to travel that road. And what breaks do they get to help him bounce back or who lends them a hand or mentors them, like you say. And you hope it turns out, but you don't know how it's going to turn out. And hopefully more people get to go down the road that apparently uh, Tavion's going down where things work out and things turn around. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, Mike Smith, Jazz Studio Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. He's coming up next, the Jazz and the Shorthanded Blazers tonight in Portland. Mike's next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Mike Smith, Jazz Studio Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain, state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller, helps with first-class water management. Visit SmartRain.net to learn how to save thirty to fifty percent on your commercial property's water costs, or call
9: 877-346-3333. Mike, good morning. Good morning, guys. Nice, nice weather we're having.
0: Well, at least it's not snowing on our cars today. We're got to dig out after the show, so you know that's a positive.
9: <laughs> True.
0: Take True. that. Yeah. So the Utah Jazz are in Portland to play the Blazers, who are shorthanded, and when the Jazz go on the road, they seem like the T's get crossed, the I's get dotted, they do the little things, and they win. At home seems to be where the problems are happening, so do you have uh, many worries and concerns going into this game, especially with the Blazers missing six or seven guys?
9: No, I, I mean, I don't, other than you're on the road, and, you know, it's just, the inevitability of maybe not bringing your best, but it sure seems like they've been doing that. Seven road wins in a row, and gosh, Portland has really struggled of late, too, right? Even though they got off to that unbelievable start at home, I think they've lost seven of their last eight, and you mentioned the guys that are out. Uh, I don't think it's determined yet if any of those guys return back from health and safety protocol, meaning Nurkic or, or Covington or... Uh, that's the biggest issue tonight for Portland is that even though Dame Lillard has started to play lights out of late and like to the tune of 35, a game, the last four, they just don't have any size with Nurkic out. I think their biggest guy the other night was Larry Nance at six foot eight. And that's going to present a problem with Whiteside and Gobert roaming free. And uh, I think even Chauncey Billups is out the coach. So you got Scotty Brooks, who's, taken the thunder of the NBA Finals, kind of acting as interim head coach. But, man, their size deficiency down low will really be an issue. Uh, Porzingis lit them up in their last ballgame for 34. So that would be like the biggest thing that you'd look at. And I'm really impressed with the way the Jazz play. You mentioned their road focus. It does seem like their, you know, that focus seems to heighten and gets better. And they've been delivering on the road, so let's see if they can keep it going.
2: Mitchell's out, obviously, the other night. And what we've seen guys do, particularly angles, step up his game big time, scored 17 points as they get contributions. It seems like, oh, okay, they're certainly aware. Our leading scorer, our best offensive player is out. So I need to do, we need to do. And then they do it, and they have a you know fairly comfortable win. My, my thought for you, do you yeah. see a way going forward is – any way that they can get an increased performance from Ingles or whomever, even with Donovan there, that it doesn't take a starter out for other guys to contribute more, get them to contribute more when all the players are there, because if they can do that, that would make your team that much
9: better. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, in a, in a, in a perfect world, right? You would get those kind of contributions from everybody on a given night, and for whatever reason, Joe has not been his best uh, this year. Coming off last year where <clears throat> I thought he was unbelievable, right? Average 12.1. It was consistent home and road. It was consistent wins and losses. He shot lights out. He nearly had a 50-40, 90-year shooting. Uh, his 844% from the foul and was his highest ever, but 45% from three was lights out. And so he's at 39% this year. He's at 43% from the field. That's down for whatever reason. um, It's true. He hasn't been able to find that same groove when everybody's been intact, but he seems to rise to the occasion. So like they thrust him in the starting lineup, he makes four threes and comes up with 17 points, three rebounds, three assists. There's nothing you would say he doesn't do when there's a little bit more room to operate. And I think Quinn has him in the right place, right? He, he's got him coming off the bench and still plays that same role of playmaker. But I just think guys are defending Joe differently this year. I think people are realizing defensively, like look at the teams the jazz had trouble with, like Chicago early on and Memphis got him at home. And even, even new Orleans just on a, you know, they didn't have, Zion, so they figured let's just get into the Jazz and pick them up early and force different actions. That's um, all well, they did it the other night against against Bogey. They, they figured Bogey's the hottest shooter on the planet, which he really was, right? He'd made 53 of his previous 106 going into last night's game. And so the Spurs just got into him and said, you're not going to shoot any threes. And as it was, he only makes one. But he finishes with 19, and he... He, he learns how to, you know, drive the basketball against pressure. They're into his face. They're guarding him closer, closely. They're, they're over-closing out. And so all of a sudden he decides to go to the hoop and, and does a really, like I thought, nice job. Made six of nine two-pointers. And I think the same is true of Joe. They're, they're realizing, okay, this guy's 34 and he's super clever. The two things we can't let him do is turn the corner left and have an open shot. And so guys are laying on his left hand. They're not letting him turn that corner left as much as he'd like. When he does, we know it's either that slow mode layup or a beautiful little bounce pass to Rudy. And then of course, if you give him time, he's going to knock down shots. So uh, I don't know, PK, if it's so much the lineup and you know not enough basketballs for like the scores the Jazz have. I think it's more to do with the way people are trying to play the Jazz, right? The the script was set a year ago in the playoffs. If you can throw a curveball at the Jazz, maybe they won't react as well with what the Clippers did in the second round of the playoffs. So we've seen a variety of those type of defenses. You've seen little zones thrown at them, you've seen traps, and certainly different schemes to, say, take away a bogey three or take away a Joe drive. But in the end, you know the Jazz are twenty four and nine because they got great depth and a really good scheme.
0: Mike Smith, joining us, Jazz studio uh, analyst for AT and T Sportsnet. I, I do think there is something with Joe just playing more. Donovan's getting twenty shots a night. Uh, Which, you know, the way he scores, everybody gets that. But when he's out, there's just so many more opportunities. This is only the third time this year Joe's played 30 minutes. It's only the third time this year he's taken 10 shots in a game. If there was anything to cure, it's there's so many nights where he only gets four, five, or six shots. He only makes one. And I haven't charted it, but I assume David Locke has, and I'm sure Quinn has. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or if Quinn's got people who do it, but you know, does Joe? What does Joe shoot on his first three or four shots in the game? Versus what does he shoot when he's taken his seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth shot and he's really into a game? So uh, maybe there's a little something to that. I, I do like what you said about Bogey, and I didn't think he was the only one. I thought the Jazz were really focused on getting to the hoop and getting shots inside of five feet. And some were dunks in traffic. Some were uncontested layups and dunks. Some were, you know, Jordan Clarkson pump faking off two feet and getting a three-point play. But there are just a lot of shots around the hoop, and I'm thinking they're just going to double down on that tonight against Portland, aren't they?
9: Yeah, probably. And it, it, I think it's all predicated on how a team defends them, right? When you you get these teams that are into them and, you know, overclosing out, which is really a jazz defensive scheme, right? When you have a Rudy Gobert and a white side underneath, you can overclose out you can, you know, by that I mean really run at three-point shooters and run them off the spots. And, I mean, the Jazz only allow 11-3, which is this unbelievable, unbelievable dichotomy between how many they make and how many they give up, right? They start every game like a plus four-and-a-half from the three-point line. So that's like, you know, 15 points almost. So they're great at that. And I think you're right, DJ, because – I mean, they're number one in the league in two-point shooting. So not just three-point makes and, you know, not top five in three-point percentage. They're number two overall, speaking of the Jazz, in overall field goal percentage, but they're number one in two-point shooting. And, of course, if you combine free throws, threes and twos, they're number one again. So you could argue they're the best shooting team in the league collectively. And, uh, yeah, teams are trying to stop them and say, hey, this is their – calling card we got to get them to drive I think they were 30 of 50 gosh maybe 55 on two pointers against San Antonio that's just that's awesome if you're shooting 55 to 60 percent on your twos you're going to win a lot of basketball games and listen I think not to be overlooked in their offensive schemes is the calming presence of a Mike Conley Uh, I just looked up, I think he has 36 assists and six turnovers in the last, you know, call it eight games. Six to one, you know, would lead the league in any season, not just, you know, not just right now. So Mike is just having a fantastic year at age 34.
2: I also think having a fantastic year is Whiteside, and the thing about it, I didn't know what to expect from him, and I have been pleasantly surprised. Are you surprised?
9: I am. I am. You're talking about a guy who's, you know, bounced around, right? Uh, uh, anytime you see a guy who's played on a lot of teams, and and in his words, he would say he got COVID, you know, last year and, and never – really was able to be what he wanted to be in Sacramento. He had that one terrific, amazing year in Miami when he emerged on the scene. And, of course, uh, from there has, you know, it was Sacramento first, Miami-Portland sack again before he comes to the Jazz. But I'm totally surprised. And you take his per 36 numbers, guys. So that's like he only plays 16, 17 minutes a game. But, you know, you – multiply it to a 36-minute game, he averages like 18, 16, and three and a half blocks. So production is his middle name right now. He comes in, and it's, it's... The Jazz are tough to game plan for. It's why they're a great regular season team. Right? They defend. They have shot blockers. Now they have two when Rudy's out. So the schemes don't change at all when he comes out. Last year, they did change a little bit. And... You know, of course, they shoot, and they got this great offense and multiple weapons and all that. It's tough. In the regular season, speaking, you know, from a player's perspective, when you're, you know, every other day getting a new scouting report to read and, you know, okay, here's what you do tonight, but here's not what you do, you know, tonight, Portland's got to be saying, okay, Dallas has no shot-blocking presence, so go attack the rim. Now, the next night, Scotty Brooks and – And, uh, you know, Chauncey Billups, by way of how he's going to communicate during this time, you know, what are they telling him? You know, hey, the Jazz are going to run you off the line, and even though we don't shoot a lot of pull-up twos, uh, maybe you better think about it. I go back, guys, to the game that Portland played in Utah, and they held Lillard to like one three ball and four for 12 overall, 11 points. Has to be Lillard's worst game of the season. I counted at least six times Lillard got by his guy – got into the lane, and didn't shoot it. Like, he was there, and thinking runner, floater, layup, which Lillard gets three, four layups a game, he didn't even attempt them. He's, like, kind of dribbling through there like Steve Nash, like, keep my dribble alive, let me circle around again, see what else comes up, because Rudy discourages a lot of those plays.
0: Mike Smith joining us right now, jazz studio analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Uh, the Jazz are now 12-2 and two in the last 14 games, but there have been some wins over lower-level teams that have been close, and there are two losses, which I think Jazz fans think they could win, although I don't know that you should order up 14-game win streaks routinely and take them for granted. So do you look more and think, hey, they went out 12 out of 14, they're in a pretty good stretch right here, or do you think, yeah, they went 12 out of 14, but they clearly have stuff to fix and are not playing their best basketball?
9: Yeah, I mean – uh, I'm I'm more I'm more of the Quinn mentality, right? Like I I, I I would demand perfection, and I would I would take the winning games and show them film and video of what went right and what went wrong in the winning games, and I, I like to teach from a perspective of positive, like okay, hey, here's what we did wrong, but you know we we got it, like. It's easy to pinpoint what went wrong, in like the New Orleans and Memphis losses at the buzzer, they were poor shots at the end, there were turnovers at the end, and I think they thought those games were going to win. But even even like a San Antonio game that they lost at home, so you're right, 12 out of 14, I think they've won 15 out of 19, so the four losses are all at home, right? The Memphis and New Orleans buzzer beaters, and then San Antonio clipped them, Recently, and I think Washington got them at home. The same Washington team they beat thirty in Washington the week before. In each of those four games, the one common denominator is they gave life to the opponent. Like so, these, these are all opponents who either came in struggling and you know just weren't playing great. Memphis then, when they clipped the Jazz, were not the Memphis that right now is one what, 12 out of 16 games, and, you know, just beat Phoenix and Phoenix. It wasn't that team. And the Jazz had them and had big leads and the same. They had a 17-point lead on San Antonio. But they gave them life. In other words, you could look at a San Antonio game where the Spurs outscored them 41-23 in the third, and you were like, gosh, you just came out of the locker room complacent. But what I saw in that game was a 36-point first quarter from San Antonio. You know, a team that doesn't score like that, and, you know, they score 105 a game, but all of a sudden, boom, you know, even though the Jazz led 37-36, it was like you gave them life. You gave them hope. So more than anything, you could pinpoint all the little turnovers and things, mistakes down the stretch that I think they're starting to rectify. They've been much better in close games, whether it's a good opponent or a bad opponent. Um, But there, there have been those moments when you just give somebody a little bit of hope, and especially your sub-500 teams, you never want to do that. You want to get them down early and stay on them, and easier said than done, right? It's a long season, and you're going to have lulls and moments where your focus is not great. I'll tell you what, guys, the next, what, 18 games, 12 on the road, this month of January will define them. They're going to play Phoenix twice, Golden State twice, Denver twice, Memphis, the Lakers, this is going to be a great stretch, not only a great stretch for us, call to call the games. By the way, Buller and I are on the call tonight, which will be a blast working with him. But this month is going to be just a blast to see how they react to this kind of competition and two-thirds of the games on the road.
2: I got to thank you for getting a lemma to say the name that I asked you to say of this uh, singer from
9: Hawaii. <laughs> I thought you forgot. Brada, Brada Israel? <laughs>
2: No, I didn't forget. Why did I forget, man? We talked about it.
9: It's been been a couple weeks
2: since we talked. But,
0: Mike, Mike, we not only didn't forget, I recorded the game and sent the audio to Jake so that when you came back on, he could play it again. You got it? Jake almost has it. He's searching for it in a file and he just pounded the table because now he can't find it. Have you got it? Because because you prompted him just right and Lemma just he sees the moment. And it won't load and now Jake is so frustrated with technology. He is so irritated. You got it, Jake? Here's the moment.
4: Yay
5: com slash MBE Does
9: not make your favorite educator Right now they can A thousand dollars in tickets To a future jazz game This is Izumi for me You got somebody? No, but you make the Hawaiian reference, right? Yeah. To your upbringing Yes And I'm thinking of how the jazz offense is rolling That they're shooting from outside Is velvety and smooth mm-hmm. Who's this guy Bretta is. Breda is. Yeah, how do you pronounce his Israel last name? Kamaka Vivo
0: That guy <laughs>
2: There it is <laughs>
0: You walked him right up there and he took it.
9: I had to I had to tell him afterwards because he was like, Where did he come up with a brother his reference? And I go, all you know, my, my all my vacations in Hawaii as a kid, you know, going to the little lounge in Waikiki, he's like, Shut up, what are you talking about? Uh. It was good. It was good.
2: And he says it in a manner that only he could say it, not us white guys.
9: Oh. oh, yeah. I mean, but <laughs> yeah,
2: can't even get his real Ole. <laughs> <laughs> <Kamakavyaole.
9: laughs> yeah. That's so impressive. Yeah, that was awesome.
0: <laughs> All right, well, have fun tonight on the call. Now, do you do the pre and the post when you do the game? Is it three straight hours of you? Because that's a half an hour yeah. on either end of a two, two-and-a-half-hour game.
9: Yeah, you say that. You say that like that's going to be an unfortunate thing for the listeners. But
0: no, I was um, thinking more about how much the problem is. <laughs> here's what happens behind the scenes: you talk that much, your mouth gets dry. You got to drink water, or you're really going to seize up. But if you drink too much water, you're going to have to take the headset off and leave Bowler for three minutes while you go to the bathroom. You got all yeah. kinds of dilemmas out there if you're going to talk for three and a half straight hours.
9: Definite, definite occupational hazard, and I don't. Yes. The the short answer is yes. I'm I'm on with the lemma before the game, then I'll run over to the other side and, and do the game with Bowler, and then I think I'll run back after the game and do the post game with uh, with A Train, as I like to call them. But uh, you guys know, you guys sit there for a long time. I don't know how close your bathroom is to where you guys are, but close. <laughs> uh, as a broadcaster, you it, it becomes like a skill. You like develop an ability to hold things for long periods of time. I, I I don't know what it is, but when I sit down, I don't think about that. And so maybe I'm lucky.
0: Mental toughness. That's the key, Mike. Metal toughness. <laughs>
9: All right, Mike, hey, we appreciate uh,
0: the time. Thanks for coming on.
9: You got it. Uh, I say victory number eight in a row on the road, so we'll see. All
0: right, it's Portland tonight. Eight o'clock is the tip time tonight. Pre-game show will start at seven thirty on TV. Jazz game night. The pre-game show will start at seven o'clock here on the Zone Sports Network. They'll tip it off at eight. And the Blazers are shorthanded. No Nurkic tonight. It'll be a uh, it'll be a smaller team, and there are another half dozen guys who are expected to be out tonight. So the Blazers are are going to be uh, shorthanded with a lot of guys in the COVID protocol. Uh, Nurkic is the big name, but uh, Cody Zeller, Robert Covington. Trendon Watford, Dennis Smith Jr., Ben McLemore, Kelgin Blevins. It's a long list. And and their coach, Chauncey Billups, as well. All right, DJ and PK, coming up next, everything you missed in today's show will get you up to speed. All the stuff Matt Brown, Ohio State grad and publisher of Extra Points, covering college football and co- college athletics. All the stuff Matt had to say about the Rose Bowl. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Win,
5: win.
3: I wasn't a guy when I was coaching to say, I want to get out, I want to be a broadcaster. Good morning, everyone, Dick Stockton with John Madden. I'm Vin Scully along with John Madden. But I knew after I did the first couple games that that's what I wanted to do. This is it. There's a lot of kids that have learned football by playing the Madden game, where they'll say, you know, we ought to do it like they do it in a video game. And I'm thinking, holy moly, what a change. You know, it's okay to say, what are you doing? I'm going to go play Madden. John Madden
0: passing away at the age of 85. Super Bowl winning coach, broadcaster, Hall of Famer, and of course, the video game. Time to get you up to speed on everything we've talked about during today's show. And it is all brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit leesheatac.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or free second opinion. BK, we had Matt Brown on earlier today, publisher of Extra Points, covering college football and college athletics. He's an Ohio State grad. He analyzed the Rose Bowl for us. What did he say that really stuck with you?
2: Oh, Utes are going to win by 30. He didn't say that. Just got this in. This is as fresh as could possibly be. Ohio State's practice time has been moved up to 11.45 a.m. So they're... Everyone says anxious, but that's misusage. They're eager to get on the practice field, so they're moving it up. 11.45 today, so if you want to be out there, you need to be uh, getting there a little earlier. Good to know. Yeah, they give me updates, and they come on your phone. It's a press pass notification. just came right now, this very minute. and that's why you need to listen to us. We give you news that just as it literally happens. And they had some media availability today. Devin Lloyd, uh, the quarterback for Ohio State, calling him all world.
0: All world. Does it get any better than that?
2: Well, I, I don't know. But, you know, what do you believe in? In extraterrestrial life. I mean, what do you guys believe on that stuff? All universe. I mean, do you believe that there's life out there beyond us? Intergalactic. Yeah, so w- give me just a little synopsis of your faith's beliefs on that. Yuck. <laughs> what do you mean, you don't have a faith?
8: <laughs> Come on, DJ, fess up. <laughs> you're an
2: atheist here? Is that what you're telling me? You don't have a faith? That's not what I said. I said, yuck. <laughs> I didn't say you said anything. That was all questions. I didn't say. I didn't assign. I never built in assumptions
0: anything. into your questions.
2: Working. <laughs> I working. not. But Devin Lloyd, sure, he's going to go down already, man, as one of the all-timers, if not the all-timer, particularly if he has a game in the Rose Bowl like he had in the Pac-12 title game. Wow, man, he was sensational. He's been sensational for the last few years for sure. I I expect he'll have a big
0: impact. I don't know if you can plan on the pick six.
2: I I, I got that. I understand. But But if, I'm saying if he does, Which wouldn't surprise us. Or, you know, he didn't even need to pick six. I mean, just a big interception or whatnot. I mean, obviously, that was a great play. Big six,
0: maybe a big sack, maybe a strip sack, something like that. Who knows, right? Any number of things
2: that he's capable of doing. But a good thing for Shroud, recognizing that Devin Lloyd is just an unbelievable player. I mean, you can argue, and I always have recency bias when he do this, but you can argue that he's the finest defensive player uh that's come out of that school and certainly in a good long time and in the state and i know uh, we would go to wagner and wagner was good at utah state but i think he's been way better in the nfl i mean hall of fame good and i wouldn't have projected that coming out of utah state you would never project a 10-year career that's what he's done. He's yeah. put together a phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal NFL career. And just you couldn't ask for anything more out of a linebacker than what Wagner's given you. And that's the way I feel about Devin Lloyd at the collegiate level. You can't really ask for anything more.
0: One of the things Matt said was the Ohio State linebacking crew, not the best group they've had there for the Buckeyes. And what does that mean oh. is they try to – Slow down the Ute running game, or can they be exploited in pass coverage? But, boy, if there was one group he was down on, that was the group. Even left the door open for the young receivers to step in and make plays. Not that you're going to have another Alave, but that doesn't mean that a young guy isn't ready to make a big play or two.
2: I mean, Bobby Carpenter is not walking through that door. (laughs) What? Nothing. You know what I mean? I mean, do you know what I mean? I'll just throw that out there. I really mean that.
0: (laughs) You do not.
2: A.J. Hawk is not walking through that door.
0: Oh, A.J. Hawk. Now
2: you're talking. Uh, Andy Katzenmoyer is not walking through that door. Good pull right there. I remember Andy Katzenmoyer because at the time I was uh, associated with Andy Katz a lot more than I am now. And I used to call him Andy Katzenmoyer. I thought it was funny. You just added the Moyer to Andy Katz. And what did you come up with? You came up with Andy Katzenmoyer. And if
0: you you knew Andy, he wasn't really built like uh, an elite linebacker.
2: No, but, you know, Andy Katzenmoyer, he surprised us. (laughs) Plus, I just like saying Andy Katzenmoyer.
0: Rose Bowl coming up in three days. We had a full bowl schedule yesterday, full bowl schedule today. We were missing one game yesterday. No holiday bowl. UCLA withdrew just hours before the game with NC State. And after they jackhammered all those seats out of the baseball stadium to squeeze in a football field, well,
2: have to wait for another year. Then they don't have – well, could they go back and play it in the other stadium though?
0: Uh, they could, but I don't think they want to. I think they wanted oh, to, okay. want to be down on the water by the hotels and have everything be walkable. Okay, okay. Uh, they, sure. could, they could move it out there, uh, but when we were down there when the youths were playing in the game, uh, one of the Holiday Bowl officials was talking about that, that the long-term okay. plan was for the baseball stadium. Why they didn't do that so San Diego State could play there for two years instead of driving up to L.A. is a great question, but San Diego's always been a little dysfunctional in that regard, so eh, San Diego State got to commute to Carson.
2: Ah well, it's over now. Yep. They went 12 and 2 this year, so although I just saw this morning that their quarterback is entering the uh the transfer, transfer portal. portal.
0: Yeah, and that confused me because I thought he was listed as a senior, but maybe oh, who the whole COVID days. thing. I know, that's what I thought. I thought did yeah. the COVID thing did I mess up with him? Um but yeah, he is. He's in the uh he's in the transfer the transfer portal and he threw it great. They they struggled to throw all year and then in the bowl game suddenly, you know, 300 yards and, you know, shades of air Coriel.
2: Good. Maybe he'll come to Utah. Keeping an eye on the Big
0: 12 and the Pac-12. Uh, UCLA, there's a Pac-12 game lost. Try again tonight. Oregon is playing tonight, and it's Oregon and Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. So it's Pac-12 versus Big 12. A couple of teams who had grander plans in the Alamo Bowl, but there they are.
2: And two teams that don't have their coaches.
0: Yep. <laughs> Both took off. Had good jobs, but thought they could get better jobs. So Oregon loses their coach to Miami and Oklahoma loses their coach to USC.
2: I wonder how long the bowls are going to exist.
0: I think people like watching football, so I think they continue to exist. The stadiums are expensive, and they need dates. They need events in them. The TV networks have time to fill, and if 3 million people are going to watch a football game, then the game's going to be played. And if they're played with lame-duck coaches and with players opting out, if 3 million people watch, then they're going to keep playing the games.
2: Okay, even with a 12-team playoff?
0: Well, that, see what it, I think what it comes down to is, well, the, appet- the appetite for the fan to go to the game, that's already faded big time. There are some bowls. You know, Auburn was playing in Birmingham yesterday. The game was on in the day, so you and I had time to watch it. Houston beat Auburn 17-13. But Auburn yeah. fans pretty well filled the place. That looked decent. But there have been a lot of bowl games that look like they have five or 10,000 people at the game. The, the San Diego State game. Well, I'm watching them and, you know, the quarterback throw for 300 yards before he transferred. It was at the soccer stadium in Frisco, Texas, where Dallas plays. And the thing seats 20,000. And It was not half full. So there, there weren't 10,000 butts in seats at the game. However many tickets were distributed or issued or no-shows or all that stuff aside, whatever the number in the box score is, if you were watching the game, the place wasn't half full.
2: I was not watching the game. You're killing me. Thanks. Thanks for the moral <laughs> support. Come on, watch the Mountain West. Let's go. I all was right. not watching the game. There was, the Jazz must have been playing that night. I know that there was – because I was looking at you – tweeting on this dumb game thing hey What's now he doing? yeah he, he was my estate, the, peeps I know but how could you have the passion of a fan this long into the business it's a Christmas it's, miracle it's, it, it really is <laughs> because you talk to people who've been in the business as long as we have yeah and it's like yeah I get, uh, I can tell I you can,
0: I like to watch them and I like to watch them but it's not it's not at all what I had 15 or 20 years ago and it's certainly not what I had 30 years ago I mean, there's no way so, I mean, I like to watch them, but it doesn't have the same zip it used to. It's watered well, down, glad, but it's still know, there.
2: It connects you with Grandpa Alfred. That's, that's good.
0: That's really what it does. Except that that's not his name. Texas Tech blew out Mississippi State, thirty-four to seven. But as you pointed out earlier, Mississippi State was a little short-handed. But that's a Big Twelve team right there to keep an eye on. And Minnesota beat West Virginia, eighteen to six. Another Big Twelve team to keep your eye on couple of bowl oh, games man, there. Houston the future got a lot of stuff Big 12 team. Keep my team. eye on there, Yeah, well, you're good at that. <laughs> Clemson Iowa State and the Cheeses bowl today 3:45 on ESPN. That's another Big 12 team to keep your eye on. And we were just talking jazz. We just had uh, Mike Smith on. It's the Jazz and the Blazers tonight, and it really looks like it's set up for a jazz win, which is exactly when they tend to lose. So because it looks better than ever, it's probably more dangerous than ever. So, you know, there's another thing. Keep no, but that's only on.
2: at home. This game's not at home, right?
0: It is not. It's a road game. there in Portland. Uh, Portland. They don't is, lose road games. <laughs> they haven't. They won seven in a row. They're 11-3, and which is tied for the second-best road record in the NBA right now. Uh, the Nets are 13-3 and three on the road. they got the best record. And the Suns are all 11 They just 11
2: stun us by losing road home, home games, games that we anticipate that we them winning. Yeah.
0: I really think it just comes down to them losing their heads. They've had the talent to win most of these games. And you could argue the talent to win all of them. Maybe not at Miami. The most understandable loss of the year. Miami's pretty good, and Miami's at home, so okay, Miami got you. But a lot of these games, you, just, you know the Jazz are the better team, but they just didn't get it done that night.
2: Well, wow, yeah, there's, there's going to be 15, 20 of those a year, practically. Every team.
0: As Mike pointed out, January will get very intriguing because they'll start to play some of the better teams in the West. Two games each with the Nuggets and the Warriors and the Suns. So, we'll
2: see Depending on availability, teams. though, we don't know what's ahead that, here. That
0: is true, and there it's are not players, well. there are players coming and going. I've been told the NBA is anticipating that this is like a storm, a fast moving storm blowing through, and it'll be different by mid January. But between now right? and then, who knows? Right? Well,
2: that's only two weeks. I can live with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Tyler Algier announced that he is going pro. He broke Luke Staley's single season rushing record at BYU this year 1,601 yards, 23 touchdowns rushing, tops in the country, and he is off to the NFL to seek fame and fortune. He's got a fair amount of fame here, but NFL, everything's on a bigger stage. But the walk-on, who was a linebacker, who was then the star running back, that's a heck of a story. And now can he write one more chapter?
2: Oh, I think he can, yeah. I would have to think that he's going to make the NFL. And so, you know, if he doesn't get injured, probably, man, start, shoot, to play for five years. And you get five, shoot for ten. And then anything beyond ten in the NFL, man, you're just.
0: And as a running complete, back, get to what? What's the number of games right. for the pension? That's the number all the young guys are trying to get to.
2: Thirty something. Thirty-seven. 30 or Thirty-four something. or something. Uh, Trevor like that. Riley explained it to me one day. Yeah. Uh, went through the whole thing about all that stuff, uh, and I think he said you've got to get into the games thirty-seven of them. I want to say. So, but yeah, if you can, you can get all that stuff. That's great. Yeah, I knew guys who were in that situation, local guys, because they've told me got to that, got an injury or got a second injury to the same original injury, and just said, "No, uh, this is ridiculous here." And but they already had the 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 pension, mm. uh, and so they said, "I'm I'm good." because I've achieved what the original goal was and the second rehab, the first was hard enough and now I'm three years older or whatever it is. This isn't going to work as far as me playing this game. And they've, they've hung it up. I mean, multiple guys have told me that. And you can understand why they would do that.
8: Okay, uh, so because, go ahead. The NFLPA's own website. I just looked this up. Says that uh, after two credited seasons, you get a severance payment, which is a lump sum payment once you are out of the league. Three yeah. full seasons played. So that'd be uh, what 16, Well, 16, oh, now seventeen games. So once you play, complete three full seasons worth of games, you are fully vested for a pension after that point. So well, root for all the lo- root for all
0: the local guys who are close, right? So that's what, him over the edge
8: fifty one games or so. I would.
2: think you have to get in
8: you do you have to play you have to have played three seasons worth of games.
2: yeah, you have to yeah, you're not just standing there no. Uh, so yeah that that's important for that those guys. yeah I don't Since I don't know what kind of money that is, but that's a, awesome
8: Once a player has been on an active roster for three years, they become fully vested. So you have to make that fifty three man roster.
0: DJ and PK, that's some of the hi- highlights of what we've hit this morning. You can get the entire show wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, y'all can give you a bunch more sites. But they're everywhere. Wherever you get podcasts, we're there. All right. Anything you missed in the show, you can catch up. Right now, we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, your feedback. and A lot of responses to the question of the day. If... Utah wins the Rose Bowl. Where does it rank all-time? We'll get to that next. Stay with us.
3: And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere.
0: Purchase a Ford fans on all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming Jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford fans on all-you-can-eat tickets now. Question of the day. If the youths win the Rose Bowl, where would it rank among the program's all time accomplishments? Matt says, second behind Jorgensen's 55 yard field goal in 93 to beat BYU.
2: <laughs> Bigger than
0: that. Charles says, anyone who says the Fiesta Bowl is not number one is wrong. The Fiesta Bowl set up everything that's happened since then. This would be number two, showing that we have the juice to compete and win with everyone. I don't think. The, Isn't the, that why it is. would be number one?
2: Because you have the juice to compete with everyone. If it shows, sure.
0: the win that shows you have the juice to compete and win with everyone.
2: The Fiesta Bowl, yeah, that's kind of almost an afterthought, isn't it?
0: Wasn't it Trump by the sugar?
2: Yeah, and Pitt was think eight think Boise three. was the first yeah. BCS buster.
0: Pitt was 8-3 and three and won a league that in a few years wasn't even going to exist. Right. With a coach who'd already moved on. Chris says it has to be number one, especially considering the adversity this team faced this year. It's more than just football. Hit. Had to overcome the deaths of two teammates. Right, yeah, absolutely. When you put that I'll put on the plate, what other season, what other game has that?
2: Well, the worst start they've had in the Pac-12. That's, that's crazy. The worst start they had in the Pac-12, losing to BYU for the first time in the Pac-12, and you still then, of all seasons, win the conference? That doesn't make any sense.
0: It really doesn't.
2: And yet, here they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Deservedly so.
0: So no matter how much people tell you it's about recruiting, and it is, pick the best team, you still got to coach guys up, and guys still have to be able to get it done. And they have to eliminate mental mistakes. And you got to make sure you pick the right players, and you can go on down the line. Guys have to be coached up, and they do have to get, them, they do have to get better every week.
2: It also explains the importance of the conference season. It's just simply more important than the non-conference season.
0: And it sometimes guys need to play games and make mistakes before they can be their best.
2: Or they could be exposed as not being good enough. In the case of the quarterback. Wrong guy. Yeah.
0: Should have played the other guy. Can it Can it uh, show that a team isn't good enough? Ohio State, for as high-flying as they are and as much as they dominated some people, they got beat by Oregon. And Utah they beat did. Oregon twice. But, I mean, that's... So long ago. Th- that... That doesn't happen. matter. Utah any,
2: lost to Oregon State. That
0: doesn't matter any more than the Utes' losses. I
2: I, I almost think that. Uh, in fact, I do think that you have to allow a team to stink one given Saturday. We don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to happen. Well, oh, it's and happened to everybody. Utah,
0: everybody but Cincinnati.
2: Yeah, in, in the conference season, I think it happened against Oregon State. It just it wasn't their day. All right. There you go. So you went uh, nine and one in conference. Still pretty good.
0: <laughs> nine and one counting that conference title game too.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: All right, uh, more people weighing in here. <laughs> I love the optimism of JH. <sighs> don't you mean when they win the Rose Ball and then it'll be number one because it's the granddaddy three exclamation points
2: I would go four exclamation points I would get, I think he shortchanged the exclamation points
0: Mario careful how you guys word the question you might offend the sensitive fans
2: I know geez, there's so many of them geez, and, they, and they all think we're against them if they only knew the truth I know right <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is we've
0: either told them or told them 80% of it and, hinted at the rest but hey
2: it's more fun to be the victim it really is yeah it's it's a national badge of honor now especially in fandom everyone's against us yeah 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 if that's if that's what you want and to think there's a local media. Could you imagine some of these people who actually lived in a media market that was harsh and i put myself right at the top of the list so i'm not calling out anybody that doesn't include me we're not exactly harsh here
0: We can explain until we're blue in the face how much winning local teams are good for business. They're literally good for our paycheck. Sure, I noticed you said blue. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Or red in the face. (laughs) But if I get red in the face, you'd tell me, what are you getting all amped up for? You're not going to convince them anyway. And you know what? That's true. We're not going to convince them. We can tell them over and over again. Great ratings Saturday, great ratings Sunday, great ratings the night of the Pac-12 title game and the night after. On and on and on. On and on and on. Yach was just saying some download record. Are we suddenly a lot better than we used to be, or are there U grads in Arizona and California and people here who no. aren't commuting, listening at home, downloading the show because the team is winning?
2: Oh, I think for you individually, you're going to get SportsCast of the Year. It's because you had one hell of a year.
0: Yeah, you got me there. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, it'll be Jake and Ben right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Remember, Jazz game tonight here on The Zone tips off at 8 o'clock, and Scotty G has got the Aggie game this afternoon. Air Force Mountain West Conference opener, 1230 the pregame, 1 o'clock tip-off. That's on 1280 The Zone. Our regularly scheduled shows will be here on 97.5 The Zone. DJ and PK, Jake and Ben are next.